This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here. We're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Sean Tate is going to join us. College basketball analyst says we will get his thoughts on everything going on in the world of college basketball, as well as the Big 12 Conference. We'll get his insights on everything you need to know. If you haven't paid attention to college basketball yet, with the college football season just now ending in the NFL, get into conference championship weekend. Don't worry, we'll catch up to speed with all you need to know on the college basketball front with Sean in just a few moments from right now. We'll have our Big 12 breakdown. We'll preview the AFC and NFC championship games. Got a little NBA discussion to get to later on. And uh, we'll have our Tom Fuller story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me as always. Tom, where I want to start today, there are so many coaching changes and uh, maybe even more by the time this show goes out. But who would have ever guessed we would have lived in a world without Bill Belichick as a head coach in the National Football League? The idea was that when he departed from the New England Patriots, that he would go ahead and take another head coaching job. And there was plenty of teams that were talked about from the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, and all the momentum seemed to be with the Atlanta Falcons. And then they go ahead and hire Raheem Morris instead. Sounded like Arthur Blake wanted Belichick, but there was a power struggle of sorts of how much say Belichick was going to have. But, you know, Tom, you and I, would, we talk about this all the time, like our childhood's dying and all this. This feels like the the last piece of it all. Like I I can't even envision football without Bill Belichick next year. I mean, where's he going to go? Nowhere. He's going to. That's my thing. Like he's not going to Chicago. That job's not open. Yeah, he's well. He's not going to. He's not going to Seattle. Right. He's not going to Washington. Where's he going to go? Nowhere. And, and and he's not going to take an OC or DC job. Oh, hell no. Hell no. I mean, I saw somebody uh, post this, and, and I'll, I'll reiterate. Uh, it is going to be a battle between Barstool and Ringer and the Ringer to see who's going to get the rights to have the Bill Belichick podcast. I mean, how long is it even going to be? <laughs> we're on to cincinnati <laughs> i mean yeah like i think it's going to be five minutes at most um he better start learning those uh those gambling ad reads real quick the bidet the bidet <laughs> bill belichick could convince me to buy a bidet you ever had your asshole tickled Oh, man. Back that ass up. Back that ass up. I'm just in shock. And, and, you know, I'll say this, too. It's twofold, Tom. Like, I don't blame these teams for not wanting to hire Belichick because 
the product oh, it's so excited. The product we saw in New England the last few years after Tom Brady left and the decisions that he made when it came to personnel, Bill didn't do a very good job the last few years. Now, I would hire Bill before I'd hire Raheem Morris, but, I mean, I'm still just shocked. Yeah. I think think with Bill, I think hiring him, if you're Atlanta – I think it's a little short-sighted, and I think Raheem Morris is going to be a de- a decent coach. Now, I'll be fully transparent when you said that. I was like, you know what? Raheem Morris is a great value, Mike Tomlin. But to be fair, in that division, you know, a great value, Mike Tomlin, might win the division every one or three years. You know, the other thing, though, when it comes to like a guy like Raheem Morris, you know, when we see these guys get their second or third chance, like here's somebody that didn't do a good job in Tampa, and he got to be the interim head coach in Atlanta several years ago and didn't do that hot of a job. I understand he did a good job as, as D.C. with the L.A. Rams, but for me it's like what did you see in Raheem Morris to make you think that, he should get another shot to be a head coach again, that he's going to be an elite head coach. Like, for me, I I still see the same guy I saw in Tampa a few years ago. Some guys are meant to be coordinators, and some guys are meant to be head coaches. Like, the the example I always go back to is Norv Turner. Norv was a, a terrible head coach at multiple stops and was a brilliant offensive coordinator, did a great job as an O.C., and that just ended up being, at the end of the day, North was best at being an OC, should never have been a head coach. And that's why I look at Raheem Morris. That's what uh, uh, I'm afraid of here, uh, that uh, that Atlanta is going to get the same results they got with Arthur Smith uh, again. You know, and they very, you know, they very might well have those. But, I, you know, as a Falcons team – the, I mean, the players in it. It's like oh, okay, well, you you have some room for error. That's you're a, not gonna, that's close. I mean, they're a quarterback away. The Falcons, yeah, a decent quarterback. I mean, you're not going to get lucky again with a Bryce Purdy. Or Brock Purdy, sorry. You're not going to get gifted. I mean, I think, if, I think they have to have a legit person. If they sign Kirk Cousins tomorrow, they would immediately be the favorites to win the NFC South next year. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's easy to say. I mean, the, the Saints don't have anybody. The Panthers don't have anybody. I mean, at that point, it's it's your words up against Baker, who who I hate to say this has been incredible. Yeah, and he's. I mean, I think he relies on Mike Evans. They could have a better tight end, right? Um, but the running back's great. Rashad White's great, and the defense is actually 
probably at least mid-tier if you wanted to get down and dirty. And Baker, one of his big problems throughout his career is he constantly changed OCs time and time again. And he's going to have another new OC now that Dave Canales took the uh, Panthers job. And so you look at these head coach openings. Uh, you know, the openings now are the Commanders and the Seahawks and the other coaches that have been hired. We mentioned Carolina gets Canales. Uh, Vegas goes with Antonio Pierce in-house. The Chargers get Harbaugh. Falcons go Raheem Morris. Uh, Tennessee goes Brian Callahan. And the Patriots go Gerard Mayo. I think there's only one home run hire that's been made. I love the Chargers getting Jim Harbaugh, pairing him up with Justin Herbert. I think that's a fantastic A-plus-plus hire. The other ones are just kind of milk toast. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. Like, I'm not I'm not convinced by any of the um 49ers hires. I'm not convinced by any of that team. Um and I'm I'm as a Rams fan, I'm really waiting on for the longevity purpose. I'm really waiting on hey, what what is Seattle going to do? I think it's going to be Dan Quinn. And, you know, I can live with the Dan Quinn hire, Tom. I don't think it's the best hire they could do. I don't think it's the worst. It's, you know, I prefer them go with a guy like Vrabel, for example. But you look at Dan Quinn, things started out hot in Atlanta, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> did a great job as his OC. And, you know, Matt Ryan won an MVP. They went to a Super Bowl. Shanahan leaves. Things went downhill from there. Uh, tried to make Sark his OC. Sark had no business coaching in the NFL. Sark's a good coach, but he's not an NFL coach. Um, Derek Carter was an awful OC. If you're Seattle, you're going to go this route with, with uh, you know, Dan Quinn here. The OC hire, I think, is almost just as important. Like, I know there's, you know, speculation about Chip Kelly potentially coming with him to Seattle. Um that to me is the thing. Like you can hire Dan Quinn, but you better hire a home run uh, offensive coordinator here. I mean, yeah, they 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 have some things to figure out, and you know, it's it's a long off season, but at the end of the day, like there are some books to check, right? Like you still have to you, you still have to do your dil diligence, like you have to, and right. if you don't. You know, then at that point, you're just still in a paycheck. Yeah. Um, the Harbaugh thing, Tom, I I'm going to go ahead and just say this out loud right now. You look at what Harbaugh's done everywhere he's been, from the University of San Diego to Stanford to the Niners to Michigan. He has been a winner everywhere he's been. And this is the best quarterback situation now he's ever been in. He's got a top five quarterback in Justin Herbert. They got some talent on that Chargers roster, and the Chargers aren't messing around. You know, they, they're tired of being second fiddle in their own city and everything. Uh, I, I think the Chargers are going to make some moves. They're going to be aggressive. I, I, I'm going to say, Tom, Jim Harbaugh will win a Super Bowl with the L.A. Chargers at some point. Right, give, me, give me a number of years. I'll say within five years. I don't think so. 
I think I think the Chargers not unfixable. I don't think they're unfixable. But I don't think Harbaugh can bring one. Is it for you, is it more to do with the Chargers or are you a doubter of Harbaugh? Or a little bit of both? I think I think as a franchise, they're not on the level of the Browns. But we've we've seen them try to bring in not a full on Eagles 08 super team. But I think just in general, like I don't think that team and that location's built out for it. And and then not only to mention the Raiders aren't that good. The Broncos are not that good. Right. The Chiefs are gonna be good for a while. So right. you have to overcome that. This is this is not the NFC South that you have to overcome. Like there there's still and and you know what? It's not a horrible division. I, I like, think yeah, you still have to overcome it. Here's the example I'd give you. I think it's what they can be. I because they got the right head coach, they got the right quarterback. That's two thirds of the equation, right? Uh, and they're still in the process of hiring their GM. That's the other third. Um, I think the Chiefs and Chargers can kind of, you know, be toe-to-toe in the same way the Eagles and Cowboys are in the NFC East, where, you know, maybe they go back and forth. I would expect the Chiefs to win it more than the Chargers do. But you look at – think about this when it comes to Harbaugh. Stanford was a a horrible mess, a bad situation, turned that into a powerhouse. Niners were a horrible mess when he took over, got them to a Super Bowl. Michigan was a horrible mess when he took that over. It wasn't overnight. They they won a national championship. Like, I understand where you're coming from of, yes, the Chargers have this bad reputation, but this is what Jim Harbaugh does best, I would say, is taking over these bad situations and turning them into great org- organizations. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, you're right about that. I think he could, could do that. I'm just not necessarily convinced – and the Chargers being what they are, and I, I, I think they could. I mean, any any team could really turn it around at somewhat any given point, right? But yeah. and, and Harbaugh would be the one to do it. To I think so, but I don't. I don't know that he can. I I don't think these Chargers are winning a Super Bowl in the next five years because of Harbaugh. Yeah. I, I, they could, I, but, I mean, they're not in a – no, they're not – they still have to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, Andy Reid be damned. I think having two-thirds of the equation from the jump is a huge head start, more than people realize. Um, I mean, what if what if Andy Reid retires, and they're like, you know what? Well, we're just going to bring. This is the plan all along. We'll just bring Eric Bieniemy back as the head coach. I don't think Eric Bieniemy is going to be replacing Andy Reid. I don't think he would have left if if he was the coach in waiting. Um, I mean, Dejounte Murray might not have left the Spurs if he knew 
that Wimby was going to come, or he might have done that to get Wimby. I think I think there might be some background where Eric Bannemi might be like, okay, well, let me go get some experience. And not to mention – Patrick Mahomes doesn't like Eric Bieniemy either. That's been evident. Um, well, hey, listen, I don't like my mom nagging me, but I'm not going to say it isn't good for me. Yeah, I, I I would be surprised if Eric Bieniemy is ever the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Does I, he he deserves a Kansas City or a Kansas City type job? He deserves a head coaching job. Yes, he does. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen this go round either, which again, is a damn shame that, that happened because he did a really good job. I felt in Washington this past year. Let's uh, let's move on. Stay in the NFL though, Tom, and look ahead to this weekend's uh, conference championship games. I want to start with the AFC championship game, Lamar and Patrick Mahomes squaring off head to head. And you know, usually these games, Tom, we look at it, we say one team, you know, has got a whole lot more pressure than the other. And I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like both these teams have a ton of pressure. For the Chiefs, it's overcome the doubters, the naysayers, all these people that said they couldn't get the back. The naysayers. The naysayers, yes. Um the people that said that they didn't have the receiving core to get the job done, that they were too focused on, you know, their public life and all this stuff, you know, and, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, sticking it to people, right. That they, that they're trying to prove here and, and the Ravens, it's very similar. It's all those naysayers that said Lamar can't get it done in the playoffs that Lamar doesn't have a good enough arm to win that, you know, their their receiving core wasn't good enough and, you know, what they invested this year with Zay Flowers. Then it was, oh, you know, you can't do it without Mark Andrews. And Isaiah Likely played great. Now they get Mark Andrews back. Both these teams, it's interesting, very rare, going into a conference championship game with an edge, with something to prove. Uh, to me, I think, I think it's a fascinating storyline for, for one team that, had the best record in the AFC and the other, it's the defending Super Bowl champ and out here playing with a chip on their shoulder on both sides. I mean, yeah, I think, I think this, this weekend in Baltimore is going to be, I think it's going to be one for the ages. I mean, there's a lot on the line. Hmm. Not only in the matchup, but, I think this Ravens team is kind of – I think this Ravens team is not – it didn't even have to be at home. I think this Ravens team is pissed because they're like, okay, we've been disrespected for a couple of years. Yeah. Not only not only Lamar. Like, they've been the – they've been one of the best teams, but the least talked about teams because it's been Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. That's been it. And, and the Ravens, too. You talk about patience, and we, we were talking about coaching earlier. This is their first conference championship in 11 years, and John Harbaugh is still there. They stood by John Harbaugh's side, and through thick and thin the entire time, they said, we got the right coach. And to stick by Harbaugh the way they have and to be rewarded 
with the changes he made to the staff, bringing in Mike McDonald as his DC last year, who's done a hell of a job, bringing in Todd Munkin as his OC this year, who's done a hell of a job here. It, it's it's quite the remarkable story uh, for that that group there. Like you talk about stability, um, you know, with with Steve Bashotti, their their owner. Ozzie Newsom involved, Eric DaCosta. They have rowed the ship and, and have put in the work to get to this point and, and, and trusted the process, if you will, Tom. I mean, they have very much Phillips, Phillips, not Phillips, Philadelphia 76ers trusted the process. I'm not saying that's why they're at this point, but they have you know, trials and tribulations through this whole process without getting over the top. Right. And they um, could have easily given up on this. They could have moved on. I mean, they could have shit the bed. They could have ran this into the ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about how close they were to not having Lamar back this year and moving on from him. Or if they would have listened to the doubters and moved on from John Harbaugh at some point. Like, to ride this ship I think they deserve a ton of credit for what they did to go through this. And, and what's unique about this Ravens team too, Tom, they got 20 free agents next year. They're not, they can't bring most of those guys back. They're going to lose some quality talent. Like Patrick queen, for example, I don't think they can afford to bring back right now. They're going to have to flex some money around or something. If they're going to bring him back. I mean, if you're the Ravens, Credit where credit's due. They're going all in on this year and right now because more than likely the Ravens, with what they're going to lose next year, are probably going to be lucky just to get back into the playoffs. Probably not going to be a contending team. Like, they they spent the money to get OBJ, uh, you know, and Roquan Smith, they paid that big money to. They bring back Lamar. They, they, they threw all their chips to the table for this moment. You know, I think about that too, though. You're right. Imagine if the running backs are healthy. Yeah. No Keaton Mitchell, no J.K. Dobbins. They got lucky that the Jets released Dalvin Cook when they did. I mean, they've, they've had the worst running back luck out of any team in the National Football League, and they still managed to years. do it. For three years they've had that. Oh, I mean, yeah, Dalvin I'm, – I'm like, not Dalvin Cook, but J.K. Dobbins. The trust they still put in him to not have a knee injury is incredible. Um, but even then, they still find ways. Even Justice Hill, shout out Oklahoma State, has found ways to be, uh, you know, to, to share a contribution. Yeah. I look at this matchup, Tom, between these two teams, just as far as this goes on paper. I think everybody, even Chiefs fans would agree. The Ravens are no question the better of the two teams on paper. If if this is a Madden simulation, the Ravens win probably seven or eight out of ten times in this type of matchup. What it's going to take for the Chiefs to win this game is one of these crazy Mahomes-Kelsey playoff games, which we've seen before, and they've shown that they can do this in, in, in the past. This is a rare circumstance where they go on the road, conference championship game, where they are not the better team. Now, we've seen in the past where they've won when they weren't the better team. They weren't the better team in the Super Bowl last year. The Eagles were. They beat them. Um, 
even last week, you could say that the Bills were the better team and Kansas City found a way to win. So they've been in this circumstance before. But to me, that's what I look at. If this is on paper, Baltimore's without a doubt the better team and they should win this football game. But if Mahomes does that crazy Mahomes shit and just pulls stuff out of his ass that's not supposed to happen, they could very well win this football game. But that's the type of performance that's going to have to take for Kansas City. Yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna come down to a little bit of weather. Yeah. You know, and I think Pacheco played a great game. I think Clyde Era, you know, Clyde Alaire played a great game, I think, as well. Right. Um I like I like Kansas City this week. Really? I really do. It's supposed to be raining and around forty degrees. Hmm. To me, if the Chiefs were winning to win the Super Bowl, if it wasn't Mahomes, I think the second Super Bowl MVP would be Rasheed Rice. I think that's the difference maker this week, and I think that's why the Chiefs win this week. Rasheed Rice is playing well. Um, and Zay Flowers on the other side has been a very good rookie. Rasheed Rice has looked better than Zay has. Um, I think that's worth noting here. Now – when it comes to these two quarterbacks, we mentioned the Mahomes factor and, and what he does in the playoffs and how he turns things on playoff time. That's a big deal, and, and that's something you have to take into account. But what about Lamar? Lamar, the MVP, has been the best quarterback in the league this year, and he's been efficient. He has uh, been very good at taking care of the football and completing passes at a high rate. He's been good in the pocket as a passer this year, which – wasn't something we talked about a whole lot in years past. These two quarterbacks, you got Mahomes, who I think is the the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in the game, and Lamar Jackson, who's the most explosive quarterback we've ever seen play this game. Which quarterback, Tom, would you rather have this Sunday? Are you going with what we've seen from Lamar this entire season, or are you going with old reliable and Patrick Mahomes? I'm going with the one that's been there, obviously. I mean, I'm a little biased because my dad's a Chiefs fan, and so are you. But, I mean, if I if I was putting prize picks money down, I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes went to Buffalo last week and said, you know what? Nay. Eat shit. Right, you know, he could have, he could have tucked it and run, and, and much he did was, not. Much was made about that missed field goal. Um, I hate to break it to you, Bills fans, but that actually wasn't the difference. Kansas City would have won, would have still won that game anyway. Had they made the field goal, they left too much time on the clock. Um, so yeah, I mean, Mahomes in these situations is so difficult. I'll say this. This, this to me, is the biggest thing that stands in Kansas City's way, Tom, that, that I, as a Chiefs fan, worry about is Joe Tooney, their Pro Bowl offensive guard, former New England Patriot, has been all reliable, has only missed uh, two games in an eight-year stretch, is not going to play. He is hurt. Um and think about – I think about that Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Tom, when the Chiefs got blown out by the Bucs and Mahomes was on his ass all night and had no protection. 
I think she's I, really going to miss Joe Tooney not being able to play in this Ravens just nasty, scary defense and their pass <laughs> able to get after the quarterback and has so many guys that can get after the quarterback. To me, that, that that's a problem. Like I, I'm I'm worried about how the Chiefs are going to protect Patrick Mahomes without Joe Tooney going up against this Ravens defense. Well, no, I think you're absolutely right too, and I think for the Chiefs. They don't have to score fast and score often. They just have to score consistently. Yeah. Like take your like, you know, don't don't sue me. Take your fucking time. Slow down and get in the end zone. Yeah. Let's uh let's shift gears. Take now. your take your time. Yeah. Um before we shift gears to the uh NFC Championship. You're going with the Chiefs. I'm going with the Ravens this week. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously rooting. Yeah. Obviously rooting for the Chiefs. Just uh, don't tell Chad Sports. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. It should be a, it should be a fun one this weekend uh, for sure. So, uh, I, but yeah, that, that's how I see this goes. The NFC Championship: Lions and Niners. Um. I'll say this. Niners got away with one last week against Green Bay. Absolutely. They, on paper, and that's why these games aren't played on paper. We were just talking about on paper the last game. On paper, Niners were a much better team than Green Bay was. And Green Bay had a chance. You could argue Green Bay should have won that game last week. Then you look at Detroit, toe-to-toe with uh, Tampa. They pull away. They finish the job in the fourth quarter. They look. They had a strong finish, I felt. Detroit did. You go into this week, Niners are at home. Detroit hasn't played a road playoff game yet. Should be a hostile environment there at Levi Stadium. Niners look like a complete football team. They, they look like the better team on paper. But the Lions have some momentum. The offense is going. And, and the other thing I'll bring up, Tom, everybody's been talking about, myself included, that Lions defense statistically isn't that great. Not that good of a defense. But in these two playoff games, that Lions defense has played much better than advertised, than people expected them to be. I think if the Lions are going to have a chance, I'm watching out for Aiden Hutchinson. He's going to need to have a big day. They're going to need him and Brian Branch and company to really just to go off. Uh, those young guys, it's got to be boys to men. they got to step up in prime time. You know what? To be fair, I I I like I like the Lions to go ahead and do it. Ooh, I like this. I like the Super Bowl to be Chiefs Lions like it was in the first game, and uh, I like Lions to get the first Super Bowl for them. Which uh, which quarterback would you rather have uh, in this one? Would you rather have Purdy or Goff? <sighs> That's tough. Um, I'm going to say golf. I think golf has a little bit more nutsack than, uh, Brock Purdy does. I think, I think Purdy can get to that nutsack, nutsack level. But if I had, if I had to have somebody fucking just fight for me, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking golf. Yeah, I think I take golf too, but not by much. Um, no, no, it's not by much. But if I had, if I had to have some motherfucker put it on the line for me, 
I'm taking Goff. Goff can, I think Purdy can get there. I think Purdy can get there. I think he's has the ability to, but this is Jared Goff, and he is Jared Goff has a chip on his shoulder bigger than Mr. Relevant. Goff can make more throws um, deeper down the he's field. He's got the stronger arm. Right. He's got the stronger arm. Um, maybe so- maybe no Debo either. That's or- what I was going to get to next. No Debo. Yep. Debo's had a down year. Brandon Ayuk's been the better receiver between the two. Um, you know, without having Debo there, that certainly changes things. And we talk about comparing the quarterbacks. One of the one of the things about Brock Purdy is the safety nets that are surrounding him. Um, you know, here's another one. Are you taking Laporta or are you taking Kittle? Well, Laporta's hurt. He's not playing either. He hey, oh, no, he played in the Rams game. No, Sam Laporta was out for the Rams game. Well, I think no, he had a couple catches and I and he definitely played in the Bucks game. Um, to me, that's. When I look at Brock Purdy and the the theme that we've seen throughout the season, the big question mark, kind of like we talked about J.J. McCarthy earlier, if you take the protection off, the safety nets, if you will, what do you get out of Brock Purdy? We saw four interceptions against the Ravens earlier this year. Um, we saw a three-game losing streak when Trent Williams and McCaffrey and guys were hurt. You take Debo Samuel out, that's – that's a scary proposition. How can he get the job done? Can can Kittle and Ayuk and and McCaffrey be enough for Purdy to work potentially without Debo Samuel? I think that can work for one game. I don't know if I, I would trust not having Debo for the next two for the Super Bowl as well. Mm, I wouldn't trust not having Debo against the Ravens if it ends up being that way. Yeah. I think they might get away with it with the Chiefs. Barely. Right. But, like, let's think back to this team doesn't really have Mark Andrews. Yeah. If they did, if this Ravens team did, you could see them even – you know, even getting past this 49ers team and being like, oh, okay, well. But Mark Andrews is supposed to be Mark Andrews supposed to be back this week. That that's huge. And I, th- I, I think at this point, I love Travis Kelsey. And Isaiah likely played very well in his place. Yeah, if you if you wanted to put up Noah Grayson and Travis Kelsey versus you know, Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews, I'm taking the Ravens. Yeah. Like, if you had to pick the better tight end group, absolutely. Um, I don't think that's the the stickler necessarily. Um, I think Andy Reid's a better coach than Harbaugh. Right. And I think Isaiah Pacheco – might be the link that gets the Chiefs back, um, you know, to their to their second Super Bowl in two years, and then what the third and the third and four. Um, I think I think really, if you want to look at it, because I think 
the Super Bowl winner comes out of the AFC. If you want to really look at it, I think it comes down to Pacheco versus Justice Hill and whoever else the Ravens can put a running back. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in the the Laporta thing, uh, quick correction. You're right. Yes, he did play those two games. My mistake. I, I was confused by uh, he was on the injury report this week. Yeah, uh, he he wasn't he wasn't productive necessarily, but he was there. Yeah, he had three catches against the Rams, not against the Bucks, but he's back on the injury report this week. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, I would hope he would play. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so, too. We'll I see. would just say it's like, you know what? Go out and put your dick out on the table. And if your dick gets broke, then you can fix it in the offseason. Um, they they need him. They do. They need him badly. Um, I wonder, to me, the thing that, that makes the Niners go, why I like them to win this game it is simply down to they got the best player on the field, Christian McCaffrey. When Christian McCaffrey plays well, the Niners win. We've seen it's a simple recipe in the NFL. I know Bo's not here this week, but Bo talks about this all the time. You want to win in the NFL, you got to run the football well. And who is the most consistent running back in the league right now? Christian McCaffrey. And I thought I thought you were going to say. Let me finish. Let me finish. Hold on. Drinks. Hold on. Let me finish it. When McCaffrey runs well, when when things are going right, the Niners are unstoppable. They can't be beat. I think every time he rushes for 75-plus yards, they win. And I don't see that not that Lions defense, credit where credit's due. They played better the last few weeks. I don't see how they slow down Christian McCaffrey. And I don't think it's Brock Purdy that makes the difference. I don't think it's George Kittle. I think this is uh, uh, one of those games where Christian McCaffrey goes off. Yeah, I could see him doing that. I think I think Detroit's very good against the run. And, you know, your favorite saying is, you know, when we drink, we score. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm halfway kidding. I think 49ers Super Chat will be involved. But, you know, logistically, I think the Lions can slow them down. I'd be very much I, – I would be very excited if the Lions got to play in Detroit. I think that could be a huge difference inside versus out. I think it's supposed to rain this weekend. Oh, no. No, no, not in San Fran. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. Oh, it is. Well, you know, golf is from Cal. And, um, you know, I think – I think Gibbs has to play a big role. I think the Lions have to run. Um, and I think I think it's going to be a close game. For what it's worth, I'm going to take the Lions by field goal. Okay. I think it's Lions-Chiefs. Okay. Um, so there you have it. That's our look at uh, this weekend's uh, – Championship games. Tom's got Chiefs Lions. I got Ravens and Niners. The logo theory comes true. We're only two wins away from the logo theory proving true. Uh, I will say, worth noting in that uh, Ravens Chiefs game, Sean Smith is the head official. And this goes against the logo theory. It goes 
towards the other theory about the NFL rigging things for the Chiefs. Sean Smith, his road team win percentage is the highest of any official in the NFL. Uh, so he he tends to like road teams more than others. So and they just haven't put it on the Chiefs game. Hmm, may have hit the panic button the NFL did there uh, on that front. Uh, our Big 12 breakdown coming up uh, in just a bit. I uh, got some NBA discussion I want to get to later on. Tom Fullery, of course. Plenty more to get to. But uh, let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 breakdown this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you. The Big 12 breakdown. And uh, as we do each and every week uh, with our uh, hot takes that uh, we give consideration to on uh, football or basketball front, either one. Tom, uh, where do you want to go towards this week? You know, I think. OSU faces West Virginia this Saturday in Galleriba. Here's my hot take this week. If Mike Boyden, who was up by, I don't know, he was almost up by like 15 points against TCU the other night, end up losing it. If he loses this weekend to West Virginia in Galleriba, I think that's it. You think he's done by Tuesday? If he loses the the West Virginia, the only team worse than OSU in the rankings, I think he's done. I'd be surprised if they fire him midseason because that's just not very common in college basketball. Um, There is something to think about, though. This is one – this could be the one way I see Mike Boynton getting fired midseason. And hear me out on this, folks. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but Doug Gottlieb moved back to Stillwater several months ago and has been working as an analyst for the basketball department, advising Mike Boynton. And we all know that Doug Gottlieb, his dream job has been to be the head coach at Oklahoma State. He's still doing his daily radio show and and all that stuff. Oklahoma State's been very adamant, like, why they have not ever hired Doug Gottlieb was because the lack of coaching experience. This could be their one way to give Doug a shot, is make him the interim head coach, see what he does, call him the shots as the interim head coach for the rest of the season, and then if he does well, give him the job full-time. If not, then you go hire, you know, a, a real coach and – and do that thing. That that could be the one scenario I see playing out uh, as far as firing Mike Boynton goes, as if they want to give Gottlieb a, a shot at being an interim head coach here as a trial run of sorts, Tom. Would you be shocked? I would still be surprised, yes. I don't think I would. I, I mean, I you know, I like Mike Boynton as a person. But as a coach, like – it's it's the time has come. Now, like he, he's, even if like it would take him making the tournament, a la Bruce Weber, to save his job. Now, here's another idea on the interim coach front. Uh, on that staff, you have we mentioned Doug Gottlieb as an analyst, waiting in the wings, you know, chomping at the bit to get a chance. You also have Scott Sutton former ORU coach who did an awesome job at ORU over the years. 
And then you have Barry Henson, also another former Oral Roberts coach and uh, spent some time in the Surrey uh, Valley Conference, uh, very respectful track record. If they do fire Boynton, I would think that Doug would be the favorite to get the job, but as, as the interim to get the chance. But I would actually like to see Scott get a chance. Like I know that would certainly draw some attention to have a Sutton come back and be the interim head coach and everything. Uh, Scott's a great man and a good basketball coach. Who would you rather see get the shot to be interim, Tom? Would it be Scott Sutton or Doug Gottlieb? I mean, I think a lot of people like Doug Gottlieb to be like, you know, okay, let, let's let's let him have the chance. I think that is association only. So, you know, give me, I think, to honestly, to be fair, give me an outsider. I don't, I don't want any, I don't want any fucking ties to Oklahoma State. Well, you're not going to hire an outsider to... as an interim head coach. Okay, interim, yeah, sure, Sutton, but. You rather go? You rather you give want. Scott Sutton that chance than Doug Gottlieb as interim head coach? If that's what you want to do, I guess. But you know, as far as chances go, I don't. I don't want anybody associated with Oklahoma State to get that job. Yeah, I. I think in the new Big Twelve, that's probably the third best job. I think you. I think you kind of have to go outside and. And, you know, Gallagher was fun. It can be really fun. But it's like, go find your new landscape. I mean, there's one obvious coaching candidate when this job opens. Really only one name that they should pursue, I think. Who's that? It, it is, if they throw the bag... I think they could potentially pull off, and they wouldn't have to go very far at all. Go get Jerome Tang. Who's that? Kansas State coach, Jerome Tang. Do you think he would leave? Well, I mean, after they suspended one of his own players and kicked him off the team, Raekwon O'Neal, without his permission, I think he's pretty pissed right now. I mean, yeah, if, if you wanted to – after he, got undermined, after he got uh, undermined by his own university president, he's got no reason to stay at that job now. I mean, yeah, that's fair. And if, if you know, if you're OSU, if you wanted to say, hey, we'll hire you, and you just take that Bartlesville kid that went to Sunrise Christian Academy uh, where he was kind of already looking at. That's what I would do. If I was if I was Oklahoma State, I would say, all right, Jerome Tang, we're going to give you all the NIL resources you want. We're going to give you all the money you want, and we're going to let you run your program as you see fit. We're not going to undermine you and suspend your own players and not – oversight and control your basketball program. Unlike K-State, we're going to let you do your thing. It's your program. Hands off. Do what you want with it. That would be what I would do if I was Oklahoma State 
My first phone call would be Jerome Tang and do that. You think he says yes? I don't know. I, 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 I think there is turmoil in Kansas State. I don't think things are going well. But I do think there's going to be plenty of other schools that will be calling Jerome Tang as well. That is very interesting. I would be, you know, as an OSU fan, I'd be very, I'd be very pro Jerome Tang. Yeah, I I think that's the move. I I think that's the move. You're Oklahoma State. You do whatever you can. You say, look, we got better facilities than Kansas State. You're not in KU's shadow. Um, come here. And, and we're not going to oversight and control your program like like you are at K-State. Come on over here. Say, come over here, baby girl. I think KU is the best job in the new Big 12. Arizona's the second best job, and Oklahoma State's third. Oklahoma State's third, you think? I mean, they got an incredible arena. They got a great basketball tradition. Um, I think that's the third best job in the new Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, I mean, don't get me so hard. You know, I would rather um, I would rather coach at OSU than Baylor any day. Even with Baylor's, you know, last ten years success. Who's to say OSU can't do what Baylor just did? Oh no, they should. Me and friend of the show Billy Locke, we we talked about this long and hard. Um, there's there's no reason why not- Oklahoma State shouldn't win the Big Twelve one out of every six years at least at this point. Scott Drews at Oklahoma State, he might have two national titles by now. No, okay. Listen, don't. I can only get so hard, Jones. Don't say like no. Um, I do. I think Mike Boyden's a great. I think he would be a great assistant head coach. Um, you know he doesn't have the. Think about. I think he's. I think he's too friendly to the players. Think what Scott Drew has done at Baylor. Okay, that is a prestigious academic institution, a private school in the middle of Waco, Texas. Okay. And he won a national title. He's turned them into a top 10 program every single year. Oklahoma State's a better job than Baylor. If Scott Drew is there, they got, I think they have two national titles. There's more, a whole lot more to work with at OSU than there is Baylor. And how much are they paying Scott Drew right now? A lot. And we don't even know because they're a private school. More or less than 10. Uh, less. And so you're saying that if Scott Drew said, okay, Oklahoma State, we'll take your money, he would have them a national, a, a natty ship within seven years. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, well, then at that point, pay him whatever the fuck you want to pay him. But I don't think Scott Drew is leaving Baylor. Like, if you would have, if they would have hired Scott Drew back in the day when he took the Baylor job, it would be the same. It would be the same thing we're seeing at Baylor, even better, I think. Um, but I, I think Scott Drew is one of the top three or four coaches in America. 
And Baylor, we don't we don't even know how much Baylor's paying him. Right. All right. So my hot take, um, as we went a whole nother tangent on the Oklahoma State job. Well, I mean, we did, but it was good. It was very good. Uh, I'm going to reel it in back to the football side of things. Um, Brett Yormark this week said the Big 12 is looking at uh, some midweek primetime games, something they've done in the past, you know, periodically, but maybe a set package where there's a Big 12 midweek game, whether it's like Wednesday or Thursday or Friday night, something like that, every single week. It's something they're examining, something they're talking about. Um, my hot take, and uh, it's a hot take because I think most people would disagree with this. I think that's a great idea, actually. I love the idea of having midweek primetime football games. Put the Big 12 in the spotlight, you know, put it on ESPN or FS1, whatever it may be, and let, let's have, you know, the stage to ourselves one night a week. Think about what we mentioned basketball. What has Big Monday done for the Big 12 basketball-wise? It has been incredible to have that showcase every single Monday night on ESPN and primetime. I argue the Big, Big 12 hoops would not be what it is today without Big Monday, bar none. That has been one of the huge, biggest assets to our league has been Big Monday. Let, let's, let's do that for football. Why not? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, something. Let's have our no, own. No, 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 no. Let's have our own package. Wednesday? I don't care. Whatever night it is. No, at, at least it's going to be Friday night and it's going to be the shittiest matchup of the week. No, no, no. Let's put a good game on. On Wednesday? I don't care what night it is. Well, hey, you can you can take fucking KU and you can take those shit fucks out in Lawrence and put them against fucking UCF. No, no, no. We're, no. We're, let's, let's put a good game on. On Wednesday night. I don't I said I don't care. Wednesday Thursday. No, I mean this Friday, ain't whatever. fucking Maction. It's gotta be Friday and Saturday night. I agree with you. They could take hold of it. Put one on we're not doing Wednesday, Thursday. I'm not doing Thursday because I don't want to compete head to head with Thursday night football. Uh fuck Thursday night football. I mean, if you want to put the fucking Raiders versus Browns. And you got KU versus Tech. I'm taking. I'm watching KU Tech. Well, you're in the minority Browns. Thirteen million people are going to watch Thursday night football, and you're going to be lucky to draw a million or a million and a half. For well, I'm just saying. I'm just speaking personally. Then don't even do it. Friday night and Saturday night. I think are or I think Friday night is where you start. Do not put. Do not make the Big 12 a matching conference. I, I think putting a game during the week would do would be really good for this league. Wednesday night? I don't care what it is. No, uh, that's horrible. Why? Uh, who, who's playing Wednesday night? I, I, Every I week? You got You got 16 teams now. Are you, I mean, okay, look at it as a college student. Are you going to go out on a Wednesday night to the game? Yeah. Hell yeah. No, look, 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 look at the, what's the biggest city in the new Big 12? Uh, Phoenix. 
Yes, Phoenix maybe a little bit bigger than Fort Worth. Yeah, Phoenix is bigger. Yeah. Okay, so okay, okay. Well, I mean, I guess Boulder is. Yeah, you can't really I mean, count play, that as Denver. We play basketball but games. Th- think about this. We think play of, basketball okay, what, games what is every the, night what is of the, the week. Smallest. What is the smallest school they could play on a Wednesday night? Uh, probably Iowa State and Ames. Yeah, and then you're going to affect – you're going to take a home game away from them on a Saturday, and you're going to affect the economy of that city. I mean, we play basketball games every night of the week as is. Fuck basketball. This is – this is you can't uh, – the Ames, Iowa doesn't get fucking but maybe 12 – not even 8,000 8, in on a sold-out night in Ames. Um, you're not going to get the same in Jack Trice Stadium. You're not going to sell that out. You're not even going to get a big stadium presence on a Wednesday night or even a Thursday night. You're going to affect – this is like livelihood shit. You're going to affect the livelihood of the local economy in these cities if you just say, yeah, you know what, we're not going to do a Saturday game. Because we want to pay the rich fucks a TV contract. Fuck that. We're going to do it on Saturday or Friday night. Okay. I mean, good luck. Falling I, I, keep, keep falling behind the Big Ten and the SEC then. You know, like. Well, you know, fuck them. Like, this affects local economies. Like, you know, during COVID, we saw a lot of that. I, I want as much as I fucking hate, you know, Lubbock. And as much as I fucking hate Ames and you know what, even fuck Norman, Oklahoma to the day I die. It affects the waitresses, the waiters, the bartenders. It affects all that. And all these, even all these college students now, these college football players are making hella money in name image likeness. Likeness. They should. I get that. But it also affects the local economy. Um, in terms of these waiters and waitresses, do not put a game on Wednesday. I think you're getting too hung up on the Wednesday thing. The main thing is the the midweek idea. Putting a game or even Thursday. It should be Friday, Saturday, no less. I think, like, think of it as a consumer. Like you're trying. There's so many. Games. Yeah, think of it as a, a season ticket member. I've been a season ticket member. I'm not driving to Stillwater. On a Friday night, when the game starts at six thirty, it's going to yes, take longer yes, than would. that. Yes, you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. How long? That's going to cost me a vacation day or a half day to get there and park and tailgate at six thirty at night. You, 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 I don't want to do that. You'll do it. You'll do it. You'll, you'll. No, stop. maybe, maybe one, maybe one game. And that's all you're asking for is one game. I mean, they did it this year with K-State, and look at K-State's dumb bitch ass. They lost to Oklahoma State, and they're going to lose this year too. Fuck K-State. And, you know, if it had been KU, Oklahoma State would have probably beat the dog shit out of your team. Okay. So You're getting way off track here. Circle in. Circle. Put, it, put it on a Monday night football. Yeah, well, you're not gonna, again. No, we're not trying. Yeah, to exactly. It's do not put Big Twelve football on a Wednesday night. 
you're getting way off track here. This no, that's fair. Do not put Big Twelve football on a Wednesday. I I think you have to do what you can to stand out on TV, and you know get get eyeballs on your products. And and I'm open to all possibilities, whatever it takes. More football, the better for everybody. That's more not on a Wednesday. Okay, would you rather have that game on ESPN Plus at 11 a.m. on Saturday, or or would you rather have that game in prime time during the week? Oh, on a Wednesday night versus Friday night? Versus Saturday at 11 a.m. on ESPN Plus? And who, who's going to be playing that game? Like, what what ESPN Plus games in conference are going to be played in the top four? Not to mention, we have increased inventory now. We have more games. There's not enough slots for everybody on Saturday anymore um, to fill. So some games are going to have to move. So, so Big 12 in-conference games, name a matchup that's going to be ousted. Name one you can think of. Uh, BYU-Cincinnati. Oh, are you going to be watching that game? I wouldn't be watching it on Saturday at 11 a.m. You're going to be watching the fucking Mormons versus Skyline Chili? They can eat watch that game. I would watch that game during the week, though. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. So put those motherfuckers there. They're lucky to even be where they're at. The Mormons versus the Skyline Chili Fucks, okay. they can both eat shit. Like, they're Stop. both lucky. Uh, Boise State would be the dog shit okay. out of both you those teams. Shut the hell up for two minutes here. My God. Like, no, I, I won't. They're, they're horrible. The word in right now. Let me get – I'm trying to let me finish my point here. This, to me, I don't think is a bad idea. Sounds like Friday is the favorite, what they're talking about. Uh, I know some people don't like that because of high school football. But, I mean, for the most part, I think we've kind of, it's kind of, to an extent, a sad deal. Um, We've kind of gotten away from the whole town being around for Friday Night Lights and, and everything like that. If you don't have your kid or a relative involved, you're probably not going to that high school game anyway. Um, so something to think about as far as the Friday factor goes. But we'll see. What Friday's fine, not Wednesday. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what they do. Friday. Unless you want to, unless you want to take the Mormons versus the Baptists. Okay, we're moving on. We're moving Ha-ha-ha. on. We are moving on because Tom is not not keeping focused here. Uh, no, youth youth group in Waco, sure. Go ahead and attend youth group in Waco. Okay, we're, we're, we're not taking shots at people's religion here. We're not doing that. That's, not that. Yeah. You just get what I'm saying. Wednesday's not going to work. We're, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Okay, We're, we're doing we're, it. We're, we're, better, we're better than that. We're better than that. We're not. We're definitely better than that. Uh, we're not doing – we're not doing okay. – we're not doing midweek games for the new Big 12. We 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 will do midweek games. We'll put OSU on every every Wednesday night. We'll we'll put KU on Tuesday nights on not anything. Whatever, whatever that is. We'll play on Bally Sports. You're being you're you're, you're worse than Jose right now. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. Big Twelve is better than a midway game. This ain't fucking matching. Uh, we'll, we'll play on Wednesday nights for everybody. Let's talk Colorado now. Colorado. Um, they can play KU on Wednesdays. Can you shut up for two seconds? <laughs> I'm this close to just muting Tom's mic here. Do uh, it. 
Colorado in the uh, news this week uh, as after one year already self-reporting sanctions under Deion Sanders, 11 violations since he was hired in December 2022, ranging from dealing with transfer portal to social media posts. Um, looks like that they're not expected to result in significant penalties uh, by any means, but nonetheless, uh, Tom, uh, we can we can at least have a a good laugh. Uh, it didn't take long for Dion already to to have uh, some potential penalties and sanctions head against way. Uh, doesn't seem that serious, but I do think people are keeping an eye on what's going on with that Colorado program because they they certainly have gotten a lot of attention real quick with uh, with these things. Here, I, I, I'm not shocked to hear they already have some NCAA violations their way. I mean, yeah, they would have to. Like, you can't really be that shocked that. Deion Sanders, of all people, will be trying to skirt some rules. Right. I mean, and you know, you know what? For for what he's done, you know, okay, cool. But you still got to play by the rules, at least a little bit. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but the fact that it happened as quick as it did, I think, is eye-popping. Um, in this day and age too, like I know Jim Harbaugh was part of the reason why he left, I, you know, was due to the NCAA violations that he, uh, you know, acquired there at, at, uh, you know, what was going on at, at Michigan. But in this day and age with NIL, where you can pay the players straight up and recruiting right now, you can bring in as many players you want. Like it's the wild west. There's less rules than there's been. It, it's it's almost kind of hard to get NCAA violations. It's not as easy to get violations as it used to be here. Like, if if you're getting these violations at this point in this day and age, like, then then you're really doing something wrong. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where it lies for Dion right now. Like, it's like, ooh, like. Listen, you did this or you said this, but now you've taken these steps and now it's like, woohoo, okay. Well I, I'm I know the hot take segment was just a moment ago, but I'll I'll take things a step further, Tom. I, I, I don't see Deion Sanders in Colorado after this year. I think either he leaves for a better job or they're gonna be a disappointment and he's kind of chased out of town or something and and it's a it's a failure. I I think it's two, one either big balloon where he and Shador leave. You know, Shador goes to the NFL. He takes a better job, or this thing comes crumbling down and 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 he's kicked to the curb of some sorts. It's it's. I think I think I that's the only way. I reward for Dion this next year. I honestly think that's the only way. I think he. I think his son dips. And then he's like, okay, well, he'll move on to the next, you know, the next, like, oh, well, I'm Dion. Right. Like, Colorado can only take so much. And even if he does, it it did build Colorado up, I think, a little bit more than what they were. I mean, I think the only reason Colorado got in the Big 12 now is because of Dion. I think Colorado, uh, the Big 12 would have gladly taken Colorado had Dion been there or not. But I think he's the reason why Colorado chose to go, though, um, was because he wanted to go. 
Uh, that, that that's true, but yeah, I, I don't see this. You you can see the writing on the wall that this is not going to last. Uh, yeah, it's not going to work out long term. No, and I I think Colorado probably knew that too. If you're Colorado, I think your best case scenario, realistically, is that they have a very good year, um, and that Dion moves on to his better job, and then you hire another good coach again that sees what Dion did and builds off of that and goes from there, and then you made all this money and got all this publicity, all this attention from Dion being there. I think realistically that's what you're hoping for. Where do you think he goes from here? Depends on what's open. I mean, hell, USC might be open next year. Um, yeah, he would probably be highly favored there, I'd imagine. Uh, it's. I was talking to my dad about this a while back. Like, you have to, wherever Dion goes after Colorado, I would think his next stop, if he succeeds this next year, would be a blue blood type program. But it has to be a blue blood type program that's okay with him being the face of the program bigger than the program. Like that doesn't mm. that doesn't work at OU, that doesn't work at Alabama, that doesn't work at Texas. Um, but maybe yeah. Auburn, maybe Auburn, maybe USC. That's not gonna fly at Notre Dame. Um, you know, maybe it's Florida, uh, you know which ironically enough is the rival of his old school, Florida state, of course, maybe it's Miami, you know, that, that type of thing. Like it's a balancing act of sorts. So we'll see uh, where that ultimately for him. Uh, Big 12 hoops this week. Uh, very interesting week. It's been so far. Kansas beat Cincinnati on Monday. Um, TCU beat Oklahoma state on Tuesday night. Texas gets a win in Norman. Over number 11, Oklahoma, dominated by 15 on Tuesday. UCF with another nice win against West Virginia. Houston beats BYU on the road on Tuesday. And then you had Iowa State beating Kansas State 78-67 on Wednesday. Um, you look ahead to Saturday's plate. West Virginia plays Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Houston will host K-State in Houston. Kansas travels to Ames to take on Iowa State. Tech plays OU in Norman. Texas travels to Provo to take on BYU. TCU travels to Waco to take on Baylor. And then UCF faces Cincinnati. Um, very good slate of games. Obviously, the one that jumps off the page is going to be Kansas and Iowa State. But I feel like this Tech-Oklahoma game is going to be very interesting because you got two teams that are pretty close, um, right, in, in Tech and Oklahoma. And OU, they've kind of come back down to earth the last couple of weeks. Texas Tech is rising. They're ascending here. If Texas Tech can go into Norman and win this game, Texas Tech might end up being the, the third best team in the Big 12 here. They might be the ones that could be the best challenge to the throne of Kansas and Baylor. It might be Kansas, Baylor, then Tech. Like, they got a chance to make a statement here. That's the game that has my attention. This week, Tom. What about you? I mean, Tech's been pretty surprising. I don't know that they can get it done. I'm not going to count them out, though, right? Like, if you can keep this up and and keep that contingency to go face that, then you know it's not like Oklahoma State facing that down however many 
like tech has played well. Like you can do this. This is not out of the realm of possibility. So uh, I think they have a good chance this weekend. Um, I think if you were a, you know, a, one of those betters that are like, you know what, whatever, why not? And you want to put some money down, do it. I think, you know, you wouldn't be necessarily out of line to do so. Yeah. Um, Kansas going into uh, the Ames to take on Iowa State. And we mentioned Iowa State's played very good, 14 and four, uh, or 15 and four on the season. Got a double digit win against uh, K State. Had a little scuffle after the game, you know, Jerome Tang and, and, and TJ going a little bit back and forth. That was pretty interesting. But now you host Kansas and KU, this team's so hard to figure out, right? I mean, they are the worst 16 and three team that I've seen in a long time. I mean, they look great against awesome, against good competition. They played down to bad competition, you know, losing to teams like UCF and West Virginia. And when you think everything's figured out, you know, like, oh, now they got Furphy involved, you know, like this guy can shoot threes. It's what they were missing. And then they lose to what teams like West Virginia. Now you go on the road to Iowa State. Ames is probably the second toughest place to play in the entire league. Um, th- this is this is a huge opportunity for both these teams, like Kansas, to finally win on the road. And then for, for Iowa State to beat the Big 12 favorites here. I mean, uh, th- this is this is going to be a good one on Saturday here. I, I And based on the inconsistency, I kind of lean towards Iowa State right now, Tom. What time's the game at? Uh, 12.30. So it's not like it's like a late night game. I think a late night game might give, you know, maybe KU a little bit more of a – advantage i don't know you that's that's between different fans i've been to a day game at hilton before and that place will still be rocking yeah yeah i mean i think i i I wouldn't be shocked if i would say did it i think it's gonna be close though that's that's one of the games that now that you know the nfc afc championships are on sunday if you don't have anything going and you're a casual college basketball fan sit down and watch this one yeah you won't be disappointed um and then kind of last thing looking at the standings here tax at four and one atop the league standings and then you got iowa state houston ku all at four and two k-state four and two as well and then baylor at three and two um it is wide open this league is right now a lot of good teams, but not one great team at the moment. If I were to predict, Tom, of how this league's going to shake out, I'm going to guess that we have a split conference title between Kansas and Baylor. I think that's the most likely scenario, is that they share the Big 12 championship. Kansas wins one, Baylor wins the other, and it's a split conference title. That's what I would guess. What, what would be your pick? Who wins the Big 12 right now, if you were to guess? I think I think you are very admirable in picking that, and, and, and I would probably and, I would probably say fact, that too. Let me add one more point. I, I Houston. Some of you are probably going to be coming at my throat saying, "What about Houston?" Well, I I I think Houston's going to get their gauntlet of sorts. They're going to take they're their, gonna falter. 
They're going to take their shellackins in the Big 12. They're a very good team, but I think they are a bit overrated. I know they're number one in Ken Palm, number one in the net rankings. I get all that, but Houston went through an easy non-conference schedule. They've already taken some L's, and they haven't even gotten to the heart of their competition yet. I like Kansas and Baylor a little more than I do Houston. That would be my pick. I, I, I think Houston's very good, don't get me wrong, but – I don't think they're as good as Kansas and Baylor, if, if we're going to be all honest. I don't care what the the nerd numbers and the analytics say. Houston's not as good as those two. No, I think and, and I think they could be very susceptible to take a quick L in the Big 12 tournament. Um, I think I think KU and, and Baylor, I think you're absolutely right. I think they could match each other. If I had to pick one outright, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with what I know. I'm still going to pick KU, but, you know, I, I, I like that you said, you know, they could share the title because both teams are very good. And, and listen, Jones here, Hey, we're not even at the beginning of February. I think by the first third of February, we were going to kind of really know like, okay, we said that every year and we've been right every year of like, there's going to be a team that comes out and starts making it. And I, I think I think for the favorite, which we both kind of agree might be KU, really depends on is Hunter Dickinson going to continue to fuck and is he going to stay healthy? And if he does both of those two things, then, you know, I'll, I'll put 20 down on KU winning the, winning the ship. And – you know, I hope I'm wrong, honestly, about Houston. I, I would like to see nothing more than them to compete, and uh, it'd be awesome if that final game of the regular season between Kansas and Houston is for the Big 12 championship. That'd be great. But uh, I, I need to see more. Uh, I know, that it, Tom, like, people love the Ken Palm numbers, the net rankings, all the analytics, all these things say Houston is the number one team in the country. But – the eye test still matters. Like you, you, they they are not prepared for what's ahead of them in league in league play. They played a soft non-con. They're they're already taking their lumps already. Yeah, I mean, and and if if they can't, you know, keep up, like it's it's one thing to keep up in the Big Twelve. I mean, if you're in the Big Twelve, you have to keep up every single night. Like you have to be ready to go. You can't you can't just take a licking, and then. If we can get back to it. So, I mean, and I think Kelvin Sampson's one for the job for sure, but the first year out, they're not, they're not going to get the job done. Yeah. Stop, uh, stop worrying about what Ken Palm and the net rankings say, folks. Uh, trust your eyes. Houston, Houston ain't it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, more to come. Here on the Jones Sport. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA coming up later. Also got Tom Fullery as well. Stick around. Join us now on the program this week. Pleased to welcome in Sean Tate, who covers college basketball as a college basketball analyst. Uh, you can check out the uh, Tate's Take podcast as well as uh, all the other stuff that he's doing. And uh, I got to tell you, we had a great time at the Final Four with this guy uh, last year. and Looking forward to running it back in at Phoenix and 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 I was thinking about Deshaun as I brought you in. You know, Deshaun, he, he's a guy, he'd go to jail for you. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that's that. <laughs> you uh, you brought me back on that one. I wasn't expecting that when you didn't tell me that in our pre uh, pre show conversation. But uh, that was definitely uh, that was definitely a riot. And listen, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting up with you again and joining you on in Phoenix. And we gotta we gotta step out and uh, hit the Phoenix streets a little bit and maybe have a couple a couple uh, cold beverages, a couple adult beverages, if you will, and. Uh, yeah, kind of open it up a little bit. Well, and we gotta we gotta drink a little bit for TJ since he yeah. since he doesn't drink. We gotta carry the the weight for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't I, wait. I can't wait either. Uh, Deshaun, uh, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, the college basketball season so far. I know a lot of people are just starting to pay attention with this being conference championship weekend in the NFL, Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. But for those that maybe the casuals are just catching up to speed. What an exciting year it's been already. There's there's not one dominant team, it seems. A lot of parity in, in mm-hmm. college hoops right now. No, there's not. It's crazy to think about it the way it's been transpiring. But if you think about it, you know, it's kind of feel like it's been this way the last few years. Like, I'm not sure the last time that I felt like, you know, we entered a season where it was like, okay, this team's going to win the national championship and they're going to run away with it from the beginning of the season all the way through to the end. It's like, see, I told you so. I not only knew this one, everybody knew this one. Of course, we kind of felt like last year that might be North Carolina after returning everybody on a run to the national championship game and then didn't even make the NCAA tournament. So it just kind of goes to show you how, you know, the rankings and all that kind of stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as the games that actually have to be played uh, during the season. This year, again, much like other years, you don't have to wait until March to get some madness. You know, there's been some November madness. December madness, January madness already. I got a feeling we're not done with that yet. Uh, and there's going to be some February as well. I mean, whoever would have thought we'd see some of the upsets that we've seen. Uh, you know, we have had a chance to see uh, who thought Kansas would go into Central Florida, you know, against uh, UCF and come away with an L on that one. And then, of course, you've got, you know, Michigan State is probably the most surprising slash disappointing team in the country this year, opening up in the top five. And losing in the first uh, game of the season to James Madison and haven't, you know, been in the top 25 near look like they're climbing back into it anytime soon. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a little bit crazy, you know, but that is why we all love this time of the year as we get closer to March because of the unpredictability and, you know, all the, uh, all the kids that are, uh, you know, trying to show themselves to be playing for something. There's some, there's some quiet ones out there. There's some mid majors. You got some new Mexico's that Midwest cop. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Mountain West Conference is probably ranking somewhere around second or third around the country, in my personal opinion. Grand Canyon, I mean, some of these teams are looking really, really good early. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Mountain West looks better than the Pac-12 does this year, uh, which is saying a lot. Uh, When you look at the teams towards the top, we mentioned UConn comes in as the defending champs, ranked number one in the AP poll this week. A lot of people have been talking about Purdue and Zach Eady and North Carolina, their bounce back. Houston's first year in the Big 12. Dalton Connect in Tennessee at number five. Kentucky and what Calipari's done at six. And then there's Kansas, who was the preseason number one, hanging around Hunter Dickinson Company at number seven. If you had to pick one, who is the team you like the most at the moment, Deshaun? I'm not, and I wouldn't dare just say this because they're the team at the top. Um, but that team is Connecticut. I mean, I think that they've been the most consistent without being, the you know, very consistent. I think they've been the most consistent 
amongst all the teams in the uh, top 25. And obviously, I, you know, I do give them a little bit of extra credit because when you are not only a blue blood program as they are, um, but in addition to that, you know, they, um, you know, losing uh, quite a few very key contributors to last year's national championship team. You've got the, you know, the target on your back, the, red, the big red bullseye on your back for against everybody. And you still come out and show yourself very well. And obviously also without one of your lottery picks for a decent amount of time as well, uh, big man in the middle. So um, we could likely be looking at, and I've been saying this all year long, um, you know, the first back-to-back national champion since Florida 0607. Yeah, uh, pretty remarkable what uh, what Hurley's done there with with that program to get back to where they were and uh, you'll be contenders once again. Big week uh, ahead in college hoops. A uh, lot of good games on the uh, the slate this Saturday. Uh, what what catches your eye? What games you're looking forward to this weekend, Deshaun? Well, there's 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 so many. You know, there 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 is a, a good amount of them. Um, you know, uh, specifically within the Big 12, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Kansas, who has definitely looked really, really good. Like, can any, is anybody going to be able to beat this team uh, to being a team that's just like, wait a minute, I'm willing to excuse this loss. or I'm willing to excuse that loss. But then some of these are just kind of like, mm, I'm not so sure I want to consider them as my favorite, even though they do have, you know, some some of the be, uh, some of the best players around the country, obviously, and are up for Player of the Year awards. And you could put Arizona in that same conversation, looking at them on the road this week against uh, Oregon this weekend. Oregon typically a pretty fairly tough place to play. Dana Altman always got his team looking pretty good. Um, you know, there's uh, there's always, you know, there's there's even, the, you know, staying within the Big 12, there's always the Kansas State at Houston. You know, this is the first year that Houston's going to get a crack at, you know, Big 12 uh, supremacy. And um, Kelvin Sampson has his guys, you know, ready to go and whatnot and got some really good players, some good guards, obviously. But I'm not sure that anybody can play remotely close to that style anyways that Houston plays with unless you are Kansas State or Texas Tech. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. I mean, Seat Hall's done a really good job. They're going to be right there playing a team that I think is good in Marquette, but I'm not sure that they're as good as everybody else thinks that they are. Um, uh, there's another one here I, I was looking at, Kentucky in the SEC. Kentucky playing on the road. If they, if they thought it was a hostile environment during that 20-something point blowout win on the road, uh, against South Carolina, they're going into Bud Walton Arena against Arkansas, where he just asked Duke earlier this year. That is an extremely tough place to play. And of course, I'll put a little asterisk, asterisk on this other one. If you're looking for a very uh, in, intriguing mid-major game, it's probably going to be uh, the Dayton Flyers on the road at the Richmond Spiders. I think Dayton somewhere at around 12, 13, 14 consecutive wins or something. I think that... Uh, Richmond is at nine in a row. This one is being played in Richmond, Virginia. So there's a lot of them uh, to keep your eyes and your ears open for. And I'm really excited about each and every last one of them. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Should be a fun uh, weekend ahead. Uh, so many good games, uh, you know, here on Saturday coming up. Uh, let, let's kind of shift gears now. The Big 12, you mentioned the Big 12 with some big games this weekend. I want to talk about some specific teams uh, in our league here. Let's start with those Kansas Jayhawks and, you know, I look at that Kansas team, Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller. They have, you know, maybe the best one-two punch in the country with with those two. And you add in, you know, 
KJ Adams uh, and Dewan Harris, like that team looks good. And now we've seen Murphy come alive and be that three-point shooter they needed. One through five, Kansas, I'd argue, Deshaun, looks like the best team in the country, just talent-wise, one through five. But there's not much beyond that. They don't have much depth. Do you see that being an issue for this Kansas team of not having much to go through after one through five? I think it can be, um, but I'm not concerned about that nearly as much, only because, you know, a lot of teams tend to kind of shorten down their rotations anyways as you get closer to March. Uh, make no mistake about it. Obviously, when you start talking, I think you'll be really hard-pressed to find anybody on paper that would take, you know, a, a starting five um, over Kansas. And even looking at, you know, the resume of some of these other guys, I can't think of the guard right now. Uh, I think it's number 10, I believe. Uh, maybe his number is not 10, but Dewan, Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris, uh, yeah. Dewan Harris has a resume like no other. Those things trans important time uh, of the year as well. And so, um, you know, when you factor those little things in, K.J. Adams is a man. I know he's a little smaller. Game is a little bit different. But just reminding me with that build of like a Thomas Robinson, you know, and just he's stout. You know, he's a, he's, he's a big guy. And he plays fearless and he's very athletic. And, you know, Kevin McCullough with a couple of the triple doubles that he's had, you know, earlier so far this year. And, I mean, they're really tough, but so is Iowa State at Iowa State. When you start thinking of Iowa State, something about their basketball and football program, they find a way to squeak out some wins, add a number to the left side of the result column when they're playing at home. Um, they do a phenomenal job there, and, and, and you are definitely on upset alert when you play against those guys in their gym. Hunter Dickinson, what a, what a fine addition he's been to this Kansas team. Uh, I mean – We've seen what Bill Self has done with him in the rotation. I mean, somebody that was already a star at Michigan and looks even the part at at, at Kansas. T tell me about your thoughts, just what we've seen out of Hunter Dickinson and uh, already in his time with the, with the Jayhawks here. Everything that I've expected, you know, uh, that, that emotional leader, you know, that 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 vocal leader, and you got to always have somebody with a little bit of that 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 trash talk in him a little bit, you know, he's. He's um he's a lot of fun to watch. One of the things I love about it the most and is that he backs it up. You know, he's 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 hated. He knows that he's hated. He goes a little overboard sometimes, but in the end, you know, as as, as long as you're declaring yourself the winner, and in most cases, Kansas is always going to be in position to do so. I like to think that they will be right there in position to potentially being the number one overall once you start measuring up who Purdue has played during the regular season. Uh, maybe, you know, depending on what UConn is, is looking like around that time of Selection Sunday, um, they're going to be right there. But Hunter Dickinson, he's good. I mean, he can step out, shoot from outside. He's, he's a banger. There are some moments when I think that he tends to kind of disappear and let his emotions get the best of him sometimes. Um, but in most cases, you know, hopefully those are the moments. I'm not too concerned with that about games that are happening outside of March, but you have to – you know, be a little bit worried about that because, you know, you want him to still be disciplined, have a little bit of that self-discipline and knowing when to turn that light switch on and when to turn it off. Uh, obviously, they're coached by uh, Bill Self, the, the Hall of Famer, and and we, we knew about the, you know, medical issues that forced him to miss the tournament last year, and and now we're in this post-Roy Williams and Coach K era is Bill the guy now? Do you think he's kind of the, the face of college basketball, the, the best coach in the sport? What, what, what does Bill Self mean to college basketball right now, you think? 
Yeah, I think he's up there um, at the top. You know, I, I think that there's some other guys. Uh, some of these guys don't have as many rings as Bill Self does. Make no mistake about it. Um, but there's definitely some guys I think that are in that conversation, whether that be Kelvin Sampson, uh, whether that be Tom Izzo. Uh, both of those guys still having some work to do, not just about winning championships, but being consistent. Uh, Bill Self, anytime you start talking about a guy who went, what, you know, 15 consecutive years. I don't know if it was necessarily 15 years that it was the program or he in that program that got all 15 of those years that I think won or 14 of those years that won, you know. 14 the, uh, straight out, conference titles, yeah. 14 straight conference titles, right. So I don't know if he was a coach of all of those teams, but it felt like was. he was. Um, so, you know, there, there's something to say about that. I'm certainly without, you know, just thinking about it right off the top of my head. Uh, he's definitely at the top of that list. I'm sure that Coach Cal is up there as well uh, in that conversation. But um, I think you'd be really hard-pressed to find anybody that you can name before you name Bill Self. There's some others that do a little bit more with less talent. Sure. Uh, but yet still, I think that Bill Self has to be at the top of that list considering some of the other guys that found their way out the door and, and, and then uh, hung it up a little earlier. Uh, you mentioned Calvin Sampson. Let's let's talk about Houston now. Uh, the analytics seem to really like this Houston team. Number one in Kim Palm, number one in the net rankings, but they didn't play a very tough non-conference schedule. And now going through this gauntlet that is the Big 12, the best conference in America, do, do you think this is going to last? Is, is Houston legit or, or are they going to take their lumps, you think, as they uh, enter Big 12 play for the first time? Besides the fact that I'm not a big analytics guy, I don't necessarily hate analytics. Um, it's okay for me to say I despise them just a little bit, but oh, yeah. I respect the I respect the analytics, you know, guys and girls. Um, that being said, I think it's a combination of both. You know, you got to beef up that non-conference a little bit if you're looking at number one overall. But it is Houston. Um, you know, they 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 they're, they're definitely in a much tougher conference, so I think that helps them. Kelvin Sampson's Hall of Fame, you know, resume uh, as a head coach, I think helps them as well. Houston being to the final four recently within the last two or three years, I think gives them a little bit of a push as well and prepares them. But they play such a, a tough style, you know, defensively, offensively. I, you know, I tend to have concerns about them being able to score the basketball sometimes. I don't think it's as sleepy as Virginia has been in previous years. Um, but just when you think that, I don't know if they can score enough points. They can go out there and hang 80-something on you. You know, you just never know. Sometimes it does depend on which Houston you're going to get, you know, and I think that they kind of uh, bounced back pretty well off of some back-to-back -back losses that they recently had as well. I think Central Florida was another one of those also. Um, so, you know, but, but, but they're, 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 they're learning curves, and you, you want to learn from those curves now before you have to learn from those curves, you know, when it's one or go home. Um, so I think the, the losses are good for them if there's a such thing as that. The wins are definitely very good for them. It's showing them how to play different styles of play amongst other things. And uh, I, I think that they'll be okay. If there's one team that's new to a conference and all of that good stuff and uh, just based off of their style and head coaching, you know, pedigree and resume alone, then I think will be okay. It's the, it's the Houston Cougars. Yeah, yeah, certainly a good team. Uh, the next one of that bunch, Baylor, uh, you ranked in the top ten in the country. Uh, you know, Scott Drew, of course, done a really good job with that program. They won a national championship a couple of years ago. You look at that Baylor team, 
Deshaun, based on what you've seen, do they belong in the conversation with Kansas and Houston? Are they are they in that upper echelon, or are they kind of in the next tier in the Big 12, you think? Um, I don't know. I think that uh, – I, I, I feel like they're in the next tier. When you say that, though, you know, you, you start looking at who else is in that first tier. Is it a first tier of how many? Three teams, four teams? If it's a tier of four teams, I think you put them in. Um, but, you know, with that same breath, I mean, they've lost a lot of pieces from national championship teams. He's still doing a great job recruiting, um, losing some pieces to the transfer portal as well, uh, losing some pieces to the NBA, uh, bringing in a good recruit in Jacoby Walter, um, I think has, you know, been beneficial for him. Um, and still doing good with the piece that he lost. I mean, listen, I, I, I he's got off to a really good start, played Michigan State on the road, who was starving for a win up in Detroit, um, lost by a gang of points, turned around, played Duke, lost to Duke as well, not nearly as bad, but lost. And they bounced back well, similar to how Houston did when they lost their back-to-back games. And Baylor's right there, neck and neck, and in the thick of things in the Big 12 with everybody else. So um, I still like Baylor over – pretty much just about every other team, especially the ranked ones. I like them better than I like Oklahoma, not as much as Houston and Kansas, but I like them better than Texas Tech. I like them better than Iowa State. I think Texas Tech is probably somewhere the closest right within that conversation along with Baylor uh, as to who's like third and fourth and fifth uh, in that conference respectively. So much depth, uh, you know, the most recent bracketology from uh, Lenardi is projecting the Big 12 to be about a, a 10-team league this year. Uh, is that kind of what you're seeing uh, from, from your end to Sean? Do you think we're, we're looking at this league getting possibly 10 bids here, or, or is that a bit of a reach right now? I'm not sure that it's a reach. I'm probably not the, the most ideal person to ask about that, but you know, still a lot more work that's cut out, I think, you know, pretty confidently in terms of teams that are in. Um, I definitely say, you know, Texas Tech and Iowa State, Houston, Kansas, that's four. Some of the – Baylor, obviously, that's five, Oklahoma. Some of these other ones, I'm not sure. Can I see Texas missing out? Absolutely. You know, can I see TCU in or out? Absolutely. You know, Kansas State maybe in that conversation. Cincinnati has kind of quietly been putting together some pretty good wins as well. I mean, they've, they've played themselves in to be a first-year, you know, program into this conference as well pretty freaking good. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, you got to also assume that at some point, some of these teams that are right there on the bubble are going to take some losses to some West Virginia's and, you know, to some Oklahoma States on the road at Gallagher Iba Arena, where it can be kind of tough sometimes, especially if it's Bedlam for Oklahoma or whatever, you know, there's going to be some of those yeah. instances, but there's going to be some teams that can't afford to take L's that are going to lose. And then there's going to be some other instances where you can pretty much feel like there's going to be some teams that are going to lose and they're on the bubble, but they end up coming away with some wins. And now we're talking about them maybe getting in. So um, 10 teams, I think, is definitely a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think it's ridiculous considering the fact that it is hands down the best conference in the country. Uh, and I don't think that you can really find anybody that's going to debate that. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. This might be the best conference we've ever seen in college basketball uh, this year. And then next year, you add in the the schools from the uh, Pac-12 as well with uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Watch out. This league's only getting better from there. Uh, we've we got some more time left, so I want to circle back kind of to the, the national scene of sorts uh, with you, Deshaun. Uh, 
let's talk about some of the some of these dudes uh, in college basketball this year. The talent that's there. Uh, Zach Eady, of course, getting all the attention <laughs> and praise for for leading that Purdue team. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with Sean. I watch his game. I, I get I get frustrated watching him play at times, man. Like it, it, it seems like that. He's trying to look for a foul or, or see what he can get away with. He's a hell of a player, but uh, I, I, I don't know about you. I get frustrated almost watching him sometimes, man. Yeah, I mean, the thing the thing with me is, you know, he's always going to be that guy that when he's on your team, you love him. Yeah. Uh, when he's not on your team, you hate him, you know. But when you're just looking at it, pure basketball standpoint, I mean, granted, it's all about the money and whatever else, what have you. You know, you probably make more money coming back like he did in the NIL um then to be able to go to the nba and may not see a bunch of time it seems kind of robotic a little bit to me i wouldn't necessarily say he's you know shoes nailed to the floor you know kind of that gumpy clumsy seven foot four type seven three or whatever what have you you know shoes on the bottom of his feet i mean he, he, he can play and he's a strong guy he's no small fry he's kind of in that mode of like a boban whatever but just enjoying him on this level. I think he's hands down the, uh, you know, national player of the year. There's going to be some other ones that are going to challenge him for that. I think, you know, Kevin McCuller and uh, Hunter Dickinson and maybe one or two others, if you will. But, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, they, they, at the end of the day, regardless, they, 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 that team has something to prove. And he's done a good job so far of just, you know, because he's a big guy. He's going to get, he's going to get fouled a lot. And that's just the reality. That's just what it is. He's going to dunk on guys and people are going to say you're supposed to do that. Um, you know, but he's, he's, he's taking advantage of his dominance and his size. And, you know, you can't be, you know, can't have too many sour grapes about a guy who's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And especially coming back for some more of it, people are trying to, you know, find a way to, um, kind of game plan and do their homework against him. But that's something that's really, really hard to do. Plus, the players around him um, are also, you know, assisting in that because with their ex extra year of experience, extra year of maturity, extra year of development, uh, helping put him in a position and this team to where we don't have to be concerned with seeing the same thing that we not only saw last year against the 16th seed, but recently against some 13 seeds and some 15 seeds. Is there anyone with more pressure on them this year than Purdue, you think? Um, there's not. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, um, Kansas is always going to have pressure on them because they are Kansas. So that's just the consistent pressure that, you know, Purdue might say, hey, we got a ton of pressure on us this year. We're the most pressured team in the country. Kansas would probably say, hold my beer because we're the – we're the ones that always have the pressure on us. Um, I think there should be a little bit more pressure maybe on Connecticut as a team that's been ranked number one, you know, two or three times by now. And, you know, certainly deserving to be in that conversation for sure. But because you have Purdue as one of the very few challengers, I think, for a national championship, then I think that should be more pressure on uh, Connecticut if they don't do it, just because they – are a better team than Purdue, in my personal opinion. And so, and the expectations are high and everything else. I'd like to see that there's a little bit more pressure on Kentucky uh, because they've got some stinkers recently too. You know, St. Mary's have been one of the recent ones. Last year, I can't remember who that was, but they took a hell early and they've been getting some early exits in the tournament as well. But because Coach Cal gets players to the NBA, um, you know, I think that people kind of oversee that a little bit. But if you go back and look at, 
you know, them in the last decade or so, you know, I think that, you know, you're going to also see that they've left a little bit of meat on the bone too. So I think those are the pressure, um, you know, programs right now, but I, I don't think anybody else can be uh, further ahead on that list than Purdue. You mentioned, uh, you know, not just Edie, but Dickinson and McCuller, uh, you know, some of these top guys, I mean, the the college level talent with like Flukowski, Davis, you know, Newton, Walker, Baycock, Love. I mean, so much good college players. I mean, Deshaun, some of these guys will never sniff the NBA, but mm-hmm. it's I, I feel like with with NIL and the portal, this has been a golden time to get college basketball to to what it needed was to have stars that stay long again, even if they don't have an NBA future. I mean, there's some really good talent right now in in college basketball. There definitely is. I think that's one of the benefits of the NIL, too, is some of the sour grapes and gripes that a lot of people have about college basketball over the years is, well, I don't know any of these guys. Well, NIL is giving you the opportunity to get to know guys a little bit longer because guys are making smarter decisions to return back to school, get a little chunk of change and then give you the opportunity to be able to know them a little bit more extensively in some of the names. Now, one of the a little bit of the pushback that you're going to get from that is they can't afford to have very many seasons in March Madness postseasons like they had on last year where it wasn't nearly as entertaining. And not just that, but also, you know, the women's Final Four was a lot more entertaining and a lot more eyes on, on, on that uh, than it was for men's college basketball, which is also good, great for the ladies too, awesome. Um, but, you know, I think that that's been really good uh, for college basketball. I know some of these guys that have come back and some of these transfers in the transfer portal have had a, a fact. I mean, the one guy who you most people probably may not know until we start getting around the time of March Madness, they're going to say, who is this Dalton Connect kid out of Tennessee? Yeah. I mean, the kid has been phenomenal, got some sneaky athleticism and bounce in there to score the basketball. And obviously playing for Rick Barnes, you got to be able to defend he could do all of those things, and and he's first time in a new conference, first time in a new uniform, you know. So uh, he's another one of those names. If you're looking for a phenomenal freshman, I'm not sure that it gets much better, in my opinion, uh, than 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 uh, than Rob Dillingham over at Kentucky, a guy who's willing. You know, you tend to see a lot of guys who have the green light and they play under Cal and they're offensive players, they're athletically dynamic and everything else. With the cool kids, I don't know if they're still saying dog or edge or whatever. He's got that dog. Yeah. A lot of those guys don't like to get underground after loose balls and second chance points and stuff like that. He doesn't mind getting his hands dirty a little bit. And I like that about Rob Dillingham. Um, there's going to be some other guys between now and March that are going to show their faces. But uh, I think we have a good combination of players, different ranges of ages and and style of play and different things like that that you're going to see that's going to make people fall in love with college basketball all over again. Oh, yeah. The joke for years was about Perry Ellis and how long it felt. <laughs> he was in yeah. school, even though he actually was only in there four years. But, yeah. I mean, now, fast forward, like, you know, Armando Baycock feels like he's played ba- college basketball forever. Caleb Love. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Hunter Dickinson, Edie, these guys, like, college basketball's done a good job developing stars. We haven't talked about in uh, a while in that sense. Javon Quinter, Javon Quinterly yes. over at Memphis. I'm like, how many, how many different teams has he been? I mean, there's some guys that have been. What, what, for, I think what's the one guy? Um, I can't think of his name. He was first was at UMass. I think he's at is he at Texas now? I don't think he's at. He's at Kentucky. Uh, went from 
tech, uh, went from uh, 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 UMass to West Virginia, West Virginia over to uh, uh, Texas, and then Texas now over to Kentucky. I can't think of the kid's name. It, it, it's it's going to – needless to say, you know, you've got some – then there's another guy who played in the uh, – went to Ohio State and played over in uh, Harvard or somewhere. He's like 28 years old. He still has eligibility, eligibility left. Uh, I can't think of the guy. Or or even like a guy like Max Aismith, for example, at Texas. Max Aismith at Texas, yeah. Was a superstar at Old Roberts a couple years ago. 15 years ago. (laughs) You probably forgot about him, that he was still playing college basketball. All of a sudden now he's the go-to guy at the University of Texas. And and it's good for him, too. I mean, it's a whole other experience he gets to have going from Oral Roberts, a private Christian school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to – Austin, Texas. You know, I, I think it's great for the sport, honestly. So, um, Deshaun, last question. We'll end on this. Uh, I know you're a big NBA guy, too. What do you think of kind of the talent in college basketball as far as potential pro talent goes? Who are some guys you got your eyes on there? Um, This year's draft, not nearly as many guys. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, I know that I mentioned, um, you know, um, Rob Dillingham, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a really good next level prospect. I think Isaiah Collier can be, uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, there, there, there's a few different guys for sure. Um, I think that it's it's been okay. You know, it's been pretty good um, getting some guys, you know, to come over to the NBA level and, and find their niche, find a way. Sometimes it's hard when you get dumped down to that overpopulated and, you know, uh, 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 oversaturated G League. Sometimes you go down there and, you know, you, you, you can't find the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so, you know, when that happens, you get sent down there and some of those guys down there are, are as hungry as ever. And they got families to feed down there. They got mortgages to pay. Right. And, uh, and the lifestyle is very expensive, especially when you got a, a couple of different baby mamas. So, um, you know, it, it can – it can it can be like that. That's why I, I do enjoy, you know, when I'm watching NFL and stuff like that. That's great on Sundays and whatever. But I do have a different kind of appreciation uh, for watching preseason NFL because those are guys that are hitting. They're down there cracking and laying it all out on the line because they're trying to make a team and they have expensive lifestyles and, and mortgages to pay and, you know, food to put into bellies and different things like that, roofs to keep over people's heads so that when it rains, their families don't get wet. And so – uh, I, I think it is similar to that a lot of times, but uh, I definitely like to see some of these players stick around college basketball a little while longer instead of making it be, well, let's stat, let's draft this guy based on his potential, which IE in translation, meaning, um, you know, what he did in high school because uh, he was this kind of player, or just an okay player on the collegiate level. So we'll try and build him up and see what he'll be in three to five years. I want to see what some of these guys look like that has stayed in college, decided to do so, and developed their game enough to where they can become immediate contributors in whatever kind of way on an NBA roster instead. Deshaun, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us, man. Plug away where people can find you and check out all your stuff, man. At Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. We call it where basketball lives the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content in the country. Uh, in the form of a podcast, find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama where they can find it. It's Take Take Hoops, uh, where basketball lives. 
Sean, appreciate the time. Uh, as always, my guy, looking forward to seeing you in Phoenix here in a couple months, and uh, we'll talk in down the line. You and me as well. Appreciate it, Mr. John. Couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's uh, let's take a quick look around the NBA, and uh, want to start with the Doc Rivers news. Tom, uh, Adrian Griffin fired from the Bucks. Doc Rivers takes over, and a bizarre route to get there with that whole uh, CNN sports report before Woj and uh, Shams reported the news and everything. But nonetheless, he's there. I, I got to say. I don't like how this was handled at all, Tom. Like, Adrian Griffin, I didn't think deserved to be fired for one. They had the second-best record in the East, um, and he had just got that job. I, I, it sounded like there was some conflicts going on within the organization and, and how he handled things and dealing with the stars, you know, of Giannis and, and you know, Dame, of course. But then the, the Doc Rivers thing irritates me even more. He had been advising them and Adrian Griffin, and the reports are out that he had been talking with the Bucks about replacing Griffin since December, since last month. And, you know, he committed to take the ESPN job, and in part, the reason why ESPN hired him and replaced Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson was because they were looking at coaching jobs, and Mark and Doc assured them he wasn't looking for coaching jobs. He was committed to the TV thing. And so you look at Doc, you know, he was very, uh, you know, sneaky, you know, took another man's job right from him, lied to ESPN, and and now gets this Bucks job, like, on one of the best teams in the East. Like, I, I don't like it at all. I, I'm going to be rooting against the Bucks. Uh, I'm going to be rooting against Doc. I, I, I think it's just a slimy situation. It's mm, pretty slimy. Like, is Doc Rivers going to one this Bucks team? We already know, and they discuss they discussed on TNT too, <clears throat> which I thought was funny. <clears throat> they can't beat the Pacers. Yeah. <clears throat> they can't beat the Pacers. Doc Rivers has never done shit. I think he's the most overrated coach in the league. And, and and you know what? I didn't hate Doc Rivers on TV. I really didn't. I thought he was fine. Yeah. I thought he yeah, I I thought it was I I I didn't think it was great. I I thought I liked Breen Van Gundy and Jackson better than I than I did Breen Doc and Doris. Uh Bro, yeah. But they they weren't a bad trio. I mean, we've had bad trios before, and I didn't think Doc. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have never said Doc was bad. I think Doc is better than Mark Jackson, but not nearly as good as JVG. No, no, no. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But for him to go back and and coach, like, I just don't know what you're accomplishing. Like, to me, I think a better hire would have even been Mike. Let's hire back Mike Budenholzer. I think would have been a better hire than Doc Rivers. I just, I just don't think. I don't think he's going to be able to one to get the job done, and I, I think hiring 
or really firing Adrian Griffin didn't really solve anything. Like nothing. There's there's been no vertical or lateral moves here with those moves. I don't think like the nothing's Bucks, going to get done. I don't think the Bucks got any better hiring Doc Rivers, and I don't think they got any worse either. But they damn sure didn't become. They didn't. It wouldn't even. I don't even know if you would call it lateral. It wasn't even a lateral move. It was just. How much do you want to pay this person? How much you want to pay that person? Yeah, and now like, the, Bucks, the Bucks are paying three coaches now between, or actually four coaches. They're pay. They're still paying Budenholzer, paying Adrian Griffin, uh, paying Doc Rivers. Um, well, actually three. But yeah, I mean it's it's insane what they're doing here. like yeah who do you want to pay and win i still think the celtics are the best team in the the east and the team to beat i don't think that's changing yeah and doc rivers is not going to make this bucks team more lethal no um let me ask you, you, you we brought up the tv side of things just real quick uh sounds like doris is not going to have a partner i, I was gotta say uh, if you haven't seen it on social media, folks, you need to go look it up. Mike Breen last night on a Wednesday, they addressed the elephant in the room of Doc leaving, and he said something to effect, we thank him for his many weeks of service here with us on ESPN. Incredible line from Mike Breen. And Doris is sitting there crying on TV. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's Was not she dead. really crying? Yes. He's not dead. Um, you're still going to see him around. You work together for literally just a few weeks. Like, come on, Doris. Was uh, she really crying? Yes, she was crying because her partner, Doc, left her for the box and she was going to miss him and everything. Like, whatever. Oh, my fucking God. If, if, the, if the fucking Detroit Pistons offered Doris Burke, she, <laughs> Doris Burke would cry enough tears to fill a gallon jug. <laughs> to be able to coach an NBA team, say I mean at that point, save me the fucking tears. I like, I did love the Mike Breen line though. Of we thank him for his many weeks of service. Yeah, not years, not an it's like, yeah, you were here for a time until someone had to come get you as a free agent because, you know, why not? Um. I'll say this, like, as a TV consumer, and that's been a big topic on this show today, uh, Breen and Doris is what we're stuck with for the NBA Finals now. They're not replacing Doc, apparently. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think Doris is bad. I, we went from Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Now we're stuck with just Doris. I mean, I still don't think Doris is bad. Bad. I mean, I've heard. I feel like I've heard worse. Norris is fine, but like, I don't feel like it's NBA Finals worthy. No, no, it's not. ESPN needs to pick up the phone. Go get Jeff. Jeff back. We need JVG back. Yeah, probably. He he was. I mean, I I just don't know. I don't know who. They they can't just run doors the whole the whole series like this. This is where Jones. I think you should be somewhat happy, just overall, because we're not the only people that think this either. 
And it's not women versus men. It's nothing like that. I think Doris is fucking awesome oh, for yeah. the most part. But you, I mean, there's, like, there's so many other people that you can pick, too, some, that are even great, better. They just so happen to be men. There's some great female analysts on TV. Like, I, I, I got to tell you, I really love Sarah Kustak, the New York, or the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets analyst. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like she's pretty great. She is fantastic. I would love and to she's, see her. She's not annoying to listen to. Like, men, women together, she's like a lot of these newer ones or just up-and-coming ones. Oh, yeah. I feel like get annoying to listen to. Sarah Kustak and Ian Eagle doing Nets games, that might be the best local crew in the entire league. I mean, you might be right. I mean, Ian Eagle obviously puts a lot into it. But you might be right. Yeah, um, I mean, duo. Uh, Candace Parker's catching a lot of heat right now, but I, I, I think Candace, I like Candace Parker has a lot of good to say. Candace has a lot of good to say. I think she screwed up on the Jalen Brunson thing, you know. But yeah, that happens. She, uh, I feel like she knows her shit though. Like she's and she doesn't back down. She doesn't take a back seat. Right. She had a bad. Moment. I like her. She had a bad moment on the Brunson deal this week. It happened. I mean, it's kind of early in her her deal, but I, you know what, I I like I like Candace Parker a lot. I almost I, I like Candace Parker sometimes more than I like Burke. Yeah, I thought Candace did fine calling the All Star game last year. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I I think I I think she's she's one of the new OGs that can actually. And, and and I think I think her resume can stand up to anybody else that comes in and tries to say something. Yeah, and when you can tell she's very confident in her ability, which yeah. for a woman in a man's sport, being the NBA, you have to, you have to. Yeah, if you want to make it, you got to be. Doris Burke has had that respect, but and Doris Burke's not one that would just come after somebody necessarily because she already commands that respect. But Candace Sparker has come out and been like, I know, I, I know my shit. Like, come on, go ahead and say something. Right. Right. Which is maybe the next, I'm not going to call her the next Doris Burke. She hasn't, she hasn't got the, the Drake blessing yet, but she could uh, all-star starters, uh, the East, Giannis, Embiid, Halliburton, Lillard, Tatum. Um, I'm all, I'm totally fine with that starting five. The one controversy was Halliburton over Jalen Brunson. Um, Brunson's been Halliburton's been injured. Halliburton. Halliburton's injured, but he's better than Brunson. Halliburton's playing great. I, I don't have a problem with that that five, uh, Tom. I, I think they got it right on the East there. I think the East is a lot easier than the West. Now, here's the West. LeBron, Luka, KD, SGA, Jokic uh, as your five there. Um, I, I'm happy for SGA to be an all-star starter. LeBron, Luka, KD, Jokic uh, as the other spots. Um, that that to me is where it gets interesting because you could make a case for a number of guys, but popularity, it's 
it's going to be hard for Luca, Katie, and LeBron not to be all stars. I mean, I think those are somewhat givens. Um, I mean, I think I think for the the bench players, you got to put probably what Kyrie in there. Yeah, I I think I think another person we haven't mentioned, and I would take him over Kawhi. I would pick Paul George over Kawhi right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Kawhi is still in there, but if I had to pick Kawhi or Paul George, I'm picking PG-13 right at this moment right now. I'm picking Paul George. Um, And then uh, one more NBA note to uh, to get to. Scary Terry. Uh, Terry Rozier headed to the Miami Heat. Uh, Miami wanted Damian Lillard so bad. Didn't make it happen. They've been trying. Pat Riley's been working the phones, trying to get some deal of some sorts, and this is all they got right now. Like, Tom, Miami's not good enough as is. I, I'm, I, I like Scary Terry. Don't get me wrong, but he's not enough to move the needle here. Miami still needs more help if they're going to win the East. I mean, I feel like they spent a first-round pick, essentially, to get Terry Rozier to Charlotte. I don't know if, what pick protections were in there. Um... I thought it was a decent move. I don't think they wanted to pay maybe what they would have to pay to get DeJounte Murray. I think they would have had to pay a little bit more. And, you know, I think for Charlotte at this moment, I think they are waiting to get picked apart. Um, kind of like kind of like the carcass that the vultures pick apart. And I would be shocked to see Miles Bridges get moved. Um, I mean, they'll keep Lamelo Ball, but they they're they're kind of in the predicament. I feel like that even a worse predicament than, but but very similar to what the Atlanta Hawks are in. Yeah, um, you know where Hawks are looking to move Murray. And I think if they do move Murray, which at this point, with Trey Young being a little hurt and Murray making two game-winning shots, I don't now. I don't know if they move him, but they're looking to move Murray. And I think if they move Murray, they're not going to get what they want out of him. And at, at that point, if you if you move Dejounte Murray, at this point, with the Spurs having your picks. You're going to end up having to move Trey Young, and I, I think the shit show for Atlanta has just begun. And I think I think Charlotte is kind of on the same page as them. I think the shit show on the East Coast, uh, the the uh, you know the SEC might be good in football, but when it comes to SEC NBA basketball, uh, it's becoming quite the shit show. I think it's the first time anybody's said the term SEC NBA basketball, but we get the idea. Am I wrong? Like Orlando, dog shit. Atlanta, dog shit. Um, Charlotte, dog shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like, okay, so Tennessee has one team in Memphis – so you can you can call you can call without Ja Morant 
you can call the Memphis Grizzlies the Vanderbilt. No, nah, I don't want to call them the Vanderbilt of the NBA. Well, SEC, though, you got the number they one. They are the Vanderbilt. You got the number one team in the West, though. I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to call it like, the, I mean, if you, yeah, well, now, but if you want to, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the close proximity to Norman, sure, you can call it that. But I mean, if you want to even say college ball last year, yeah, you had Brandon Miller and, uh, you know, another murderer on the staff. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like Brandon. Uh, I mean, it, you know, like Southeast Southeast basketball has yeah, not yeah, we ever been good. Um, well, yeah. I mean, Miami had their time in the sun, but that hey, that's, uh, that's ACC. It's a it's a great day to be a Thunder fan. I can tell you that. Number one, there the you go. You better enjoy what's good. We are back. Uh, you guys missed us, and we're back on the top of the Western Conference standings. Does it just mean more for right now? It does, and it's all gravy right now because we're not we're not supposed to be there right now. You know, we're way ahead. Well, and there's no there's no Texas team. Well, you can say Dallas, but Luca just threw a fan out of the game. We're saying he should run more on the treadmill, soft ass bitch. Um, man, yeah, it's good time to be a Thunder fan. You know, the uh, one, one more point uh, before we get to top four, I'll say this uh, to have my moment when it comes to the Thunder. Um, you know, the way SGA is playing, Jalen Williams, the you know, the, the rookie of the year contender, Chet Holmgren, the way he, <laughs> I mean, it, it's incredible. And you know, the Thunder they changed up their their victory song a while back to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, which I got to say, it's a, a big upgrade from uh, I Got a Feeling from the Black Eyed Peas or Taking Care, <laughs> care of Business that they used to play before. Um, but I think it's a good mantra for Don't Stop Me Now. Like, it's just getting started with this team. They're not going anywhere. It's going to be a good decade ahead. Don't Stop Me Now. The Thunder are back. They're having such a good time. They're having a ball. They are. I mean, it, it's the you know they're a bunch of kids out there, you know. And all right, Jones. Before we get to Tom Fullery, it is Jan- by the time we're recording this. This is January twenty fifth, and well, let's revisit this in a month. Who are your two final teams? Denver and Boston. I'm going to go Denver, Philly. How about Embiid with 70 this week? That don't remind me. I, I, I'm recovering still. Yeah, great defense there by your boy Wimby there. Well, hey, we knew who's going to win the rookie of the year. Don't get me started. You can have rookie of the year. We got the MVP, the coach. Well, I know. You have to give me that. We're – and we're working we got, with a bunch of we're working with a bunch of fucking scrubs. And we got the executive of the year too. Yeah, I mean, if if no SGA or no Jalen, I mean, really no SGA. We you said too soon last night. The Thunder would be in the shop with the Trailblazers. 
Hey, 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 hey. Knock, 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 knock. <laughs> I mean, I'll be right there with them. S- SGA is my MVP. Who's well, your MVP? Based on that that logic, if they didn't have SGA, they'd still have Paul George right now. Well, let's say knock on wood because I like SGA. I don't like Chet. Chet can eat shit. Knock on wood. SGA gets herders out for whatever reason. Who's your MVP? SGA is my MVP right now. Uh... Your 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 other favorite guy, Embiid. You would say Embiid's the MVP? Uh Embiid or, or Jokic, yeah. Really, even Jokic. Yeah. I mean okay, yeah. I think SGA is mine still. Yeah. I think right. I think without without SGA, this Thunder team is a Seven, six, seven, eight playing team without SGA, and I, I think Philly would be a six, seven, C two, obviously without Embiid. But you know, like SGA has, I think I wouldn't obviously you can't give him the most improved player, but I think SGA this season has taken the biggest step. We've seen for a non most improved player. Um, last last thing, we'll end on this, and then we'll go to Tom Fuller here. Um, you play two K more than I do. Uh, have they updated SGA to a ninety nine yet? No, but I think they should. I I don't know what he is at right now. I think I think maybe at the beginning of the season he was at a ninety three. He should be at least at a ninety six. I mean, what's the holdup? Like, come on, folks. Let's. We might have to man. I'm. You know what? You mentioned that. I'm more interested to see what Jalen Williams was at in July versus what he is now. Yeah. I think as you, we were talking about most improved player. I want to see the stats on what Jalen Williams was at. Um, I, th- I think I think even that is the bigger, almost not the bigger story, but one of the bigger stories that has not been a, a has really not been shown any light. So I'm looking at the update now. Shea's at a 95. Chet's at an 86. Jalen's at an 83. Giddy's at an 80. What's Jalen Williams at? 83. Yeah. Silly. What's What's Wimby at? Uh, let's see. 89. Wimby's 2K rating. 88. And you said Chet's at 89? 86. Oh, okay. Who's 89 for for Thunder? No one. Oh. I mean, what... I'd like to see... Okay, then. What did SGA start at out? Like a 92. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All right, final segment before we go, our Tom Fulry story of the week. I don't know what this is. I get to find out with the rest of you. Tom, where are we going to do this time? Jones, uh, you know what? We are going to Chirac. Um, 
with this one. Uh, we've, we've been all over the U.S. We've been really all over the world. And this is the first time, I think, that I've seen an article. And I didn't know they did articles or even pieces or OPs. or I haven't seen an OP from this company yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if this even could be considered as one. This comes from Orkin.com. And if you're not familiar, Orkin is a a uh, a bug killer. Really, it's, Orkin is like the bug killer university. It's, um, you know, like, uh, it's almost like BKU, right? Bug Killer yeah. University. Yeah. Um, or Orkin, I don't know. I wanted to say, I wanted to call it, I wanted to try to compare it to ORU, but it's not, my, my wit is gone, but. Orkin.com writes, this, they have their own blog or press room. Chicago joins Paris in global bed bug spotlight, ranking as the worst city on Orkin's U.S. bed bug cities list. Jones, before I even start this, you've lived in apartments. I've lived in apartments. I've seen a, I've seen... You know, in, in Oklahoma, I've seen bigger roaches here, one or two, and then I stayed there for a year and a half. Here in Texas, which San Antonio rated, Houston was number one, San Antonio was number two, as the roachiest cities in the United States. I've seen two roaches here in the i don't know five months i've been here okay they got they got knocked off immediately obviously um and in oklahoma where i stayed they had bigger roaches i saw two in the year and a half that i was there they were both struggling like struggling to survive like it was like i don't even have to step on you you're already having a tough time so that wasn't a problem, but um, Oregon says, you know what? Hey, Chirac is the worst. And the article from Oregon.com, this is the first. <laughs> Consider these, like, cons- then Jones, have you stayed in, you've been in Omaha, you've been in Dallas, you've been in Coweta and Tulsa. Um, you've Lawrence. been in Lawrence, you've been in Lawrence too. Um, Ever had to deal with bed bugs? I have never had the pleasure of uh, dealing with bed bugs in my life. Bless. What what I don't understand, Tom, is like you know I I get like when you st- get bed bugs from like a hotel or something that they've been there. Where do they originate? How do they get there to begin with? Yeah, it's kind of you know it's kind of like syphilis, right? Like where like, does uh, that where where like, did that start? Like lice, like when you get lice from somebody, well, where did it begin from? Yeah, I mean, it has to keep going, right? Like it has to get passed on to right. keep going. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that it would. If you, if you elim- if everybody eliminated, it would be like polio, right? Like you would eliminate it eventually. Like where, where do they come from? Like what? Yeah, you're exactly right. Where do they start? Right, like where do where do they where do they live if they're not in your hair? 
Yeah. Like they have to, they have to come from somewhere. If right. if not in the hair, where where are they at? Where are they kicking it? Right. Like we see younger kids all the time get that. Yeah, I I've never met a person like Jones. You're 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 approaching thirty. I'm thirty. I don't know any persons over the age of I don't know twenty that have ever had lice. I I don't know that I have ever had lice either. I'd have to ask my mom. Oh, I I had I, I had lice as a kid. Uh, I had to put like mayo in my hair or whatever. See and and there's another. This is a tangent for another day. People eat mayonnaise all the time, but they're like, "Oh, well, how do you kill lice? Mayonnaise." I'm like, "Yeah, let's just put mayonnaise on a burger. Uh, it, it might as well be a, a a a goddamn carcinogen at that point. Like, yeah, it can, it can kill life." And you're like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and put it on a burger. I'm I'm halfway kidding, but at that point, you're like, oh, okay, well, if you suffocate them, yeah, that's cool. But you're still in academy sports, and you still need a new pair of shoes for the school year. Jones, in total, in total, what like you're trying to get the lice out of your hair. You're not trying to necessarily move anywhere or put on for your city. If you have lice, what do you what do you do? You just put the mayonnaise on your hair with a like a skull cap and wait a couple of days and you call it good. Right. Like what's what's the play here? Yeah. I, I don't know exactly. Like like what's what's the play? Like if it's not Great question. Like I, just don't, I don't know what the I don't know what the play is. Like, sure, you can have mayonnaise in your hair. Well, I mean, it could be lice. It could be a number of different things. But you you bring up a great point. Where does it come from? Right. Where does lice originally start? Where do bed bugs originally start? Got to come from somewhere. Like, like you just don't get them from letting the grass grow a little taller before you mow it. Like we know that. COVID came from China, you know, in a lab uh, created by Fauci. Like, we know that. Where, where are the lice coming from? Where are the lice coming from? Did Fauci invent that, too? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, where, where are they? If they're not stopped already, like, do they just... And that's the funny thing. You never hear about a fucking kid getting lice from anywhere but school. Right. They're not getting it at church. They're not getting the YMCA. They're not getting it at the. They're not getting it at. Uh, you know they're not getting it anywhere else. They're getting it from school. They're bringing it home. Like like where are they, and in the parents of these kids that have lice, they probably have lice too. If your kid has lice, you probably have lice. Yeah. Or, or get this, like. How many parents that have pubic hair and have literally like pubic crabs are those kids more 
prevalent to get lice than others? I or think, like what what are the real stats on this? I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh what were the No other, one no one's answered it though. No one answers that. What were the other cities uh on this list? Well, it depends. The roachiest cities or the Well, we don't have the, a lice list. What's the roaches list? Roachiest cities. Let's look it up. I don't think I think Oklahoma City was in the top ten, but here here's the thing about the roachiest cities. It is well, well, one Houston was the first one, right? And then it was San Antonio, and it's and it's funny because I feel like I've seen more how roaches. Did start, how did we start with Chirac on this? Well, Chirac is the bed bug bed bug capital. Okay. And they didn't really mention the next bed bug capital. They just said, hey, it's like it's like Kansas City years ago was the meth capital of the world. At first it was Tulsa. Right. And then obviously, you know, Kansas City took that over. Okay. So, so like, the bed bug list. Sorry. What what was the top what give me the top ten? I'm looking that up because it didn't mention it. Okay, here we go. 2024, worst cities for bed bugs. Chirac is the worst. Okay. Um, the Windy City is taking up residence as one of the worst cities for bed bugs, taking the number one spot on Oregon's top 50 bed bug list for the, f- oh, here you get this, for the fourth year in a row. Wow. Now, here's interesting too. If you look at population densities in like biggest, you know, like apartments type cities, yeah. here we go. For the fourth year in a row, Chicago, New York City, and Philly hold on to the top three spots, ranking first, second, and third respectively for cities with the most bed bugs. This one's a shocker. Maybe not a shocker, but out of left field. Greensboro, Greensboro North Carolina. So the largest jump this year, moving from 25th in the spot into the top 20 with Milwaukee, number 25, moving up the list by 15, and Tampa Bay, or Tampa, 31, moving up by 10. Amid the, par- Do you think our buddy TJ's got bed bugs in Tampa? I don't think so. Like, that's the thing, though, too. Like, kind of the same thing with lice. Like, where, where – like – where are they coming from? Like you, well, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, if you get bed bugs, like you're either having like some hookers with backpacks stay over, or you're getting it from a hotel, right? Or somebody fucked up in an apartment complex, and now the entire apartment complex has them, right? Right? Like, and you can, I can get that. I can get that one, you know, one apartment gets them. Well, you know, that could go from one apartment to 10 real pretty quick. So amid the Paris bed bug craze, travelers are more concerned than ever with avoiding these stealthy pests. As as Americans look toward travel in 2024, it's critical to know how to identify and thoroughly check for bed bugs and hotel rooms and Airbnbs while being careful not to bring the pests home with them. 
The Bedbug Cities list is based on treatment data from the metro areas where Orkin performed the most bedbug treatments from December 1st, 2022 to November 30th, 2023. The ranking includes both residential and commercial treatments. Jones, here we go. Chirac, New York, Philly, Cleveland, L.A., Detroit, Washington, D.C. Here's another one. Indy, interesting. Charlotte, also interesting. Here's another one, but this is outside of Chicago. Champaign, Illinois. Okay, Columbus. so the bugs followed from Chicago to Champaign. I mean, but which is right outside there. That's not too crazy. Columbus, Ohio. The bed bugs could get there on their own without even needing, like, assistance. I mean, yeah, they can travel in your car. They can do whatever. Here's the crazy thing. Top 12. Top 12 at four, you got Cleveland. And, okay, right there. Then at 11, you have Columbus right there. Cincy right after Columbus. So top 12, you got 12 Cincinnati, 11 Columbus, four Cleveland. Boom. Um, You want to look at Michigan. You want to look at Michigan. You got Grand Rapids coming in at 14. Uh, You got Detroit at six. So, if you look at these top cities, Chicago cold, New York cold, Philly cold, Cleveland cold, L.A., a bunch of junkies, Detroit cold, D.C. could be cold, Indy cold, Charlotte can get that way cold, Champaign, Illinois, probably pretty cold, Columbus cold, Cincy cold. Then after the top 12, you got Atlanta, Um, but high population density. Yeah. And um you know, high population density, I think after that. Um you know, like that's your that's your top thirteen. Grand Rapids, Michigan, cold, Denver at fifteen, cold, Baltimore at sixteen, cold. Richmond, Virginia, both ways. Cold, kind of can be cold. Greensboro, North Carolina, coastal can be cold. So the the common theme is cold, big cities. Right, and then after that, you got St. Louis, can be cold. Youngstown, I'm guessing Ohio. Yeah. Cold. Pittsburgh, cold. 22, here's the first one that's hot. 22, the, this, is, this is the first one that's like, oh, fuck, it's, it can be hot. Dallas at 22. Mm. And then you got Flint, Michigan, and you got Raleigh, North Carolina, and then you got Milwaukee, Charleston, West Virginia, Greenville, South Carolina is humid, pretty humid, Norfolk, West Virginia. One night in Flint, Michigan, you could be drinking lead, water with lead and Come home with bed bugs. What a, what a time to be alive! I I don't think I'm going to Flint, Michigan anytime soon. Yeah, no, that's some crazy stuff. I, um, I think I think I would rather drink shit water than to get bed bugs. 
There's your poll question. Would you rather drink shit water or get bed bugs? Feed me the water, baby. I think I'll take the bed bugs. I can get over the bed bugs. The shit water. Oh, really? You, you would rather have the bed bugs than the, the shit water? I might not recover from the shit water. The bed bugs, at least I can. Well, I mean, I can get, I can get, you know, bottled water. But you said you, you would dr drink the water. I'd drink the water before I would submit to bed bugs. Yeah. I'd take the bed bugs. Yeah. There you go. I, I, folks, we're going to end there. I want to hear from you. Would you drink the Flint water or would you rather, <laughs> rather have a bed full Good of bugs that suck your blood? Jones, the, Jones is a certified vampire. I guess. Um, on that note, let's get out of here. Uh, folks, thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media, X at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, you can find us there. For Thomas Bridges, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another Deuce Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.